a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. It's time for the Zero Limits Podcast, hosted by Australian veterans. Chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world. We'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to. Let's go. All right, Zero Limits listeners, with me today, got episode 50, my man Kyle Schmidt. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How's it going, boys and girls? Mate, it's uh, it's good to have you back on again, and we have somewhat a famous uh, person. I ain't famous. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, well known throughout the world, as, as much as he doesn't want to um, admit it. Better known through the movie 13 Hours, Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. His name yeah. is Chris Tanto Peronto. Uh, yeah, we'll sure. definitely dive into why... Tanto is his uh, nickname. Oh yeah, we got a st- we got a good story on that. You'll understand the GRS side of <laughs> there that. You go. That was early early GRS stage, man. But yeah, we'll get into that because it it's a cool story in itself. Yeah, know? awesome. Well, we might start off with that. So, mate, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you? No, welcome, hey, thanks for and thanks for being patient. I know we were trying to get on. I we our schedules were just mashed, and so and I almost guys, I'm sorry, I was missing. I was out at a range enjoying this, configuring this area we call Zombie Land that we're going to actually in the movie. Shocking. That it looked, and I just got have us having fun. Like, hey, let's put a Connex box here. Let's put a Connex box yeah. here. Yeah, we could hit them from this area. Hey, there's a shootout. Let's put it. And then my wife called me. She goes, Hey, you got a podcast? Got to get back home. And, <laughs> oh no. yeah, so shit. Sorry, That's it. so I just ran back home. Yeah, you're a busy man because you've you've got your obviously your training company, and you've got yeah. your own podcast, which is booming. Yeah. And appreciate and keep, that. Plenty of keynote and, speaking. Why not? I just, I, I, dude, I love doing these. I, you know, I, I stopped doing the mainstream media, you know, the Foxes, the CNNs, MSNBCs a long time ago because it just pissed me off. Honestly, so, they, so both it was, sides. It, it, it really, it really, they did it. They honestly, I, it was just, there was divisiveness and they were, they, they, it's like they wanted to piss me off. They wanted me to get angry. They're sure. Selling, not. Hey, that's what sells. Makes money. Exactly. They're selling Set boobs, boobs, TNA. And divisiveness within 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 uh, within parties it, it, it definitely creates it makes money and but it, it takes a toll on on vet, it really does take a toll on veterans whether of they course. know it or not it does because it, it just they bring up stuff that's going to make you pissed off because exactly. the more you're pissed off the more you're angry at Hillary Clinton or Obama or Trump <laughs> or whoever 
the ratings go up and you yep. see the emotion and, but they don't see the effect of what happens to guys once they come off of it. And it's hard to not continue to be angry. So I finally cut it out, but I still love doing the AM radios, man. I love doing those shows That's and awesome. then the podcast, the podcast, because podcasts give you a platform to like me. I talk a lot, obviously, but it, it, <laughs> it gives us a platform that's without the th- four minute window. You're trying to get everything in, exactly. in four minutes and you can't do it. And, and they're good at what they do. You know, the Jake Tappers, the Sean Hannity's, the Bill O'Reilly's, they are good at what they do. Yeah, yes. they get that the, snippet. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, yeah. and nothing against him. I, I, I think Jake. I'm friends with Jake Capper. I, I, I think we, if I saw him, I could say, hey, "What's going on?" Just like Sean Hannity. But in the end, the 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 integrity of their shows is based off of pissing people off. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's spectacle. Exactly. It, it is. It's it's sensationalism. And and um, believe me, like you can tell right now, I'm calm right now. Imagine when I. I'm pissed off, and I say, "Yeah, I, I mean, I, I said I was going to choke Obama out on Fox Mornings." <laughs> if that tells you how pissed off I can get on the and that boy, did, yeah, I get the Secret Service is at my house the next day, and but you know what though, that was the funniest thing, and I even I said, "I know everybody in Omaha, Nebraska's in Omaha." They showed up to my door, and they go, "We," I knew the two guys. They're like. They're like Chris. We just we have to show this. up. They, I go. I know. Come on in, Jake. Come. On. <laughs> we're, all, we're all buddy. They're like, They're like you're not really gonna. I'm like, of course not. I was pissed off. Like, okay, just gotcha. Check the box. Okay, see ya. Have a good day. We'll, we'll have a beer later. You know. So it, it's a joke. But as far as the outside world sees, right. And this is something that's played over and over and over, especially on the left. Like, uh, look at look at the thirteen hours guys. He's lost control. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. Oh, he loves. Let's this. take their guns. Exactly. Exactly. You need to take all his guns away from him. He's going to So it's just, it's just <laughs> such a, BS. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but at least these, you know, like now I can actually explain and, and see, and we, and also find the humor in really at all. Cause it is oh, humor. Of course, yeah. so it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's parody, man. The, the whole world is just parody of, of, of everything else. And, and we can make fun and jest even over serious stuff because in the end, really is all a joke especially not not on us not on the veteran not what you do but within the media it really yeah. is a joke no, no, exactly a joke. exactly so <laughs> mate let's uh quickly before we start uh tanto where does where does mm. this come from let's let's start with this uh, well and bro kyle you may know the guys i don't know if they were still working or not anymore but ranger battalion we don't have call signs there our call signs is and that's 75th Third, or 2nd bat where you were at? I was a se- yeah, 2nd Ranger Battalion, which is 75th. That's part of the 75th Ranger Regiment. Right. You have 1st first, first Battalion, 2nd Battalion, 3rd Battalion. Then Money Bat in the house? Headquarters. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And um, and then you have RRD, the Ranger Recon Detachment, which is down in McDill. But those are all 75th. That's the scroll and all that. But we don't do call signs, at least back then. I, maybe they're doing call signs now because now they get to have long hair and stuff, too. So I, I <laughs> back then we did. Um and uh, and so when I showed up to the GRS site, my first trip was to Kabul. It was beginning of 2006. I had just finished doing the the uh, perimeter. You know, the the the. It wasn't called WHIPS then. It was called the CPA contract. I started with the the CPA with Bremer and the State Department. All of us really did at that time. I was the first class for Blackwater's DS. I was DS one. Me and Boone actually were together. That's when I first yeah, met right. Boone. Nice. And um and um we were i'd done the state department thing and then i was also working for eric's little i think he was trying to make it like an executive outcomes type the psd thing and then i was working for graystone which is also part of blackwater but they were eric was trying to make his own army prince eric prince <laughs> right yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. sure huh. it, but it was great because it was just it was going down to south america and you know my spanish comes back i'm mexican i i i fit in it so honestly going down and working in peru and colombia and el salvador 
you know, was a breath of fresh air when you come back from Afghanistan or Iraq. And I was enjoying that. But uh, then I got I got asked by a gentleman by the name of, of uh, Marty was his first name. And um, he says, hey, do you want to you want to go try to You got to go through TDC, the tactical development course. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go give it a try. Well, I, I passed all that, went down to Kabul and t- began 2006. I walk in the team room and there's a contractor there by the name of Sachs. He was a former DevGrew guy. And there was also another one by the name of Brutus. Sachs got his call sign because not because he could play a sax. It just blended with his last <laughs> name. And he did look like a jazz singer. It kind of fit him. Like, Brutus looked like. The guy from Popeye. That's yeah. how he got his yeah, Brutus. So it was a, and he just went with Brutus instead of Bluto, but he was a recon guy, force recon guy. So I walk in and they say, hey, what's your call sign? And I was like, dude, it's like I'm a ranger. Sergeant? That, that's my call sign right there. I was like, we don't do, and I said, we don't do fucking call signs in Ranger Battalion. You know that. Yeah. And they looked at me and they looked at my last name. And when you go onto that board and Kyle knows what I'm talking about, the board up there, if you're a new guy and you've never worked before, the board shows everybody's call signs. And then if you don't have a call sign, it's your last name. So everybody knows you're new. So you know the new guy coming FNG. in. like, yeah, you got you got Monkey, you got Sax, you got Brutus, you got Popeye, you got all these guys coming in. And then you see Peronto up there. Like, well, I'm the new guy, obviously. And they looked at me and I have a little Native American. I'm I'm my grandma had a tad of Navajo Indian. In yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I see where this is going. That's a little slant I get. Yeah. <laughs> and um and they looked at me and they said, Hey, well. Toronto, you Native American. I said, well, I got a little bit of him. And he said, well, then you're, you're Tonto. So it was a Lone Ranger in Tonto. It was so, <laughs> oh, yeah, but it was spelled you. the T-O-N-T-O, the Tonto. Speaking Spanish for all my Spanish speakers, Tonto in Spanish means fool, fool or foolish. <laughs> so all my S, all the SF guys that work down south, all the group guys that were, every time I come in and say, hey, what's up, fool? What's up, idiot? What's <laughs> like, okay, so we got to stop this. So about the third trip in, I did, I changed it. I was like, I am not going through the rest of GRS being called a pendejo. And I, I, I go, I'm changing it to the, I've said, I'm putting Tonto in. And, um, I, I mean, it wasn't because the knife, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I can, it wasn't the knife thing. It wasn't trying to be, it was just, I was just sick and tired. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was just like, okay, guys, the jokes are funny, but this is getting stupid now. Ridiculous. Right. And so I changed it to the Tonto. Uh, but initially, yeah, it was the Lone Ranger. Yeah, Tonto. Right. It was, that's, that's, that's awesome. It was for and, and it was, it was also, I call, you helped me out if I'm wrong, but back then, I don't know how it is now or where you were in, but back then, yeah, you, you were not allowed to give yourself a call sign. If you gave oh, yourself absolutely a call not. Sign, no, that, that's given oh, yeah. by your team. Oh yeah, yeah. You come in and and your your chainsaw or 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 bones ripper or something. like no, okay, nope. You're powder puff now. Yeah, no, right, exactly. Call you no. So, so but it was it, it was awesome because you, know, you come in and and it, it wasn't a bad experience at all. We all laughed, joked. We all gave each other shit because you got a a dev group guy, you got a recon guy, now I got a seventy fifth guy. We're all standing there together giving each other shit, but it was laughter and it was fun. It was. All right, that's cool. I'll talk to Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah right. That's, that's awesome. awesome. That's it, yeah. and um, it, it just it 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 was it it was obviously a memorable experience because I can even still remember the team room what it looked like. <laughs> I can remember the board. I remember looking at sacks. I remember, and I had much respect for both of those guys, and they were tremendous mentors of mine. They were one of the original GRS guys. Sacks started on the Brimmer detail when PMC stuff started. So did Brutus. So I'd known him from the State Department side too. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I had immense respect for both of them. So it, it just was a, it was a memorable experience just getting a call sign. And, and I hope today, even now with the GRS guys, I hope it's still that same kind of experience if you don't have a call sign coming in. And, Cause that really is where you start building those bonds, exactly. right exactly. right there. Even though you never served, you're in completely different military yep. units, completely different branches. 
but it's like, dude, it's just that almost just, contributed to the the overall atmosphere. It made it better, almost. It, it did. It made because, and you could see who could take a joke. It's yeah, like, exactly. Okay, that yeah. dude. <laughs> no, he's wound a little too tight. That's one thing with GRS. I, I think Kyle can attest to this. Different than ground brands, GRS, you couldn't be wound tight at all. You had to be jokey laughing. Oh yeah, and, and that's why they yeah. do the whole pre-selection thing yeah. anyway. Well, it, it was it, it was to see how that was. And TDC, I remember going through the TDC course at that time. It was tough. We had a fifty percent failure rate, and these were guys. I mean, these are all special ops guys going through TDC at the time. Um, and um, I remember being the stupid, the only one when they asked if I wanted. I know I, I gave you the bridge version, but when I was asked to go to TDC. We had a bunch of guys standing there. There was seven of us standing in a in a room. Randy Leonard, uh, his call sign was Horsecock. Randy Leonard. <laughs> Guess right. why? But Randy, Randy was in charge. Randy was one of the original Jira us guys too. Randy was another dev group guy. And uh, he comes in, he looks at all seven of us and he goes, there's one slot for TDC. Who wants to go? And and we had got the word that TDC was hard and people failed. And and we're all standing in Blackwater at the time. We're all Moyock and I'm standing in the room and there's six of us and I just... I mean, it wasn't, but I saw nobody throwing their hand. And I just went, I'll, I'll go. Uh, let's go give it a try. And and that was a tremendous experience, too. And it was wonderful because when I went through, we had some British SAS guys going through with us. And one was one of the instructors. And that was tremendous going through with them. And it was also odd. I found out that every person in the SAS or SBS, they're all named Mick or Mo. Every one of them is named Mick or Mo. I, I don't know any other. That's all, what's your name, Mick or Mo? Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was that was a great experience in itself. But it was it was very challenging and tough, and I hope it's still the same because it needs to be that that tough. Of course, to, yeah. The, the, not the actual drills, just the grading standards. It has to be that. Hey, you're on the line. Nope, that don't count. Oh shit, you're supposed to get thirty. Now you only got twenty seven. Sorry. All right, better luck next time, and you go try it again. And I, I remember being, and I, but I do remember it just being just being fun because of it was. It was like, it was literally pass or fit. Literally, there's no second chances. This is pass or fail. You pass it or you fail it. If you fail it, maybe you get back here, but we'll catch it and see if it like Steve yeah, Austin, huh? catch you down the road. All right. <laughs> and, um, and, and then getting on and working with the guys at that time. Um, we got to do a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Not just, not just the normal, the normal meet and greets and dropping people off, like actually getting and doing surveillance and walking around the cities at night and taking pictures of doorway. I mean, Doing the actual sneak and peek and on our own, even which was new to me because generally we I had a team with me and doing stuff on your own. You, especially in some of the places that we were at in the neighborhoods, it's a different mindset, man. It's a different adrenaline rush. And there's a little bit of, it's a little bit of fear. I don't, I remember that as well because we got to do a lot of that. And we did a lot of that in Libya at the yeah, time too that yeah, we, that we got in trouble for actually, <laughs> but we did it anyway. So, um, yeah. yeah. Was- right. Well, so what we'll do, we'll back it right up to you growing up. <laughs> okay. Tell us yeah. where you grew up, you know, how young Chris was. Was he a good kid? Was he a bad kid? Or, and, uh, uh what, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what led to you joining, uh, the armed forces? Well, I, I was, uh, I was raised, you no, know, I was lower middle class. I, I'm not, was, I had a good life. I had a great, I had everything I needed. Um, my grandfather was a picker. He, he came over. He was an immigrant from Mexico. He came over and he worked in the fields picking. And I, I didn't know him then. Of course, I hadn't been born yet, but I did when I finally got to know my grandfather, you know, he had actually became a picker. He was a picker. He actually had his own farm. So he really did experience the American dream of how hard work, busting your ass, 
never quit, that you can succeed in life. And I remember he, him being the one of the most respected men in Delta. I remember going into town with him whenever I was at the farm hanging out and everybody respected him. And, and that's why, I, you know, I never saw any discrimination. I never saw any racial. I, all I saw was this guy that everybody expected, respected. He never complained about anything. So if there was any discrimination because he was Mexican in a, you know, in Western Colorado, I never saw it. I don't yeah, think right. there was. I really do. And so anything that throughout the life that kind of set the tone for me and my father as well, who was literally a dirt farmer out of Spur, Texas, very poor. Um, dad was dirt poor. Um, and uh, I didn't renew my grandma and grandpa on that side because his his mom and dad, my grandma and grandpa, my dad's side yep. died when he was one. My grandpa was a B- B-52 crew guy that got shot down. Oh, shit. And um, I never really knew much about him. All I knew is he had a purple heart because I thought that was the coolest thing. My dad let me. I, I would hold on to it. I even really knew what it was, but I was like, man, this is freaking awesome. I remember having that purple heart always around me. That was the coolest thing in the world. And then his mom died out here in Kansas. There's a still that same stretch of road that goes from East Kansas through Wichita that there's nothing out there. And she just fell asleep at the wheel and, and died. But, oh, you know, same with my father. I, I, he never complained about anything. And you know, when I was born, I, we had what we needed. He was a football coach. You know, he was a college football coach. So, we weren't, it's not like today where they make mega millions of dollars being a football coach. She was making a modest living. And, but it, it was wonderful because I, I think never seeing them complain about anything. And if anything ever happened that I didn't succeed at, or I didn't get picked first, or I didn't make the team or, or it was never, well, I wonder what they did to my kid. It was, Hey, did you work hard enough? Yeah. Hey, abuelo. And I said, like, well, yeah. I, I don't know. Or my grandma, my, if you ever had a Latino grandma, Latino women are, they're drill sergeants. And my grandma, <laughs> my mom, it was never, yeah, you know, what'd you do to my son? It was my grandma, even the same thing. Or my mom, he go, hijo, hijo, what'd you do? Did you, did you, did you put enough work into it to succeed? Did you do it? And every time I could think about it, even back then, I knew the difference between hard work and just kind of putting in the hours or checking the box. And every time I was like, well, no. And one thing my grandpa said, and my dad reiterated this was, he always said, never put yourself in a position where you don't get picked. Never work your butt off so they can't pick you. They can't deny you. So if you're ever in a position, they have to go out of their way to say, nope, we're not picking that guy. Not because he's not qualified. Maybe it's just because we don't like him. But they should never give them an excuse to not pick you. And yeah. I, I remember that. And I so that. the hard work and the never quit attitude was, I, I mean, I really didn't know it at the time until I started to reflect back. Of course, yeah. A few, really a few years ago. That it's like, wow, they really set me up for success along the path that I was going. And, and that's, that was my childhood, but it was a fun child. And I, I hung around with the pickers, played baseball with them, you know, out in the farm. I thought that was the coolest thing playing with the migrant workers. And then I played sports through high school. I did very well. I loved football. I loved, I loved all sports, but I grew up surrounded by intercollegiate athletics. You know, yeah. I, I got a, I spent a lot of time uh, in my middle school years at the Brigham Young University campus because that's where my dad was a linebacker coach. And that was, you know, that was an experience, too, where I took a lot from it, just even by the process of osmosis, uh, because I was so young. That was the years that they were they were like a dynasty. That was the Lavelle Edwards, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, national championship years. And just being around those guys, you know, catching the football, being on the football field with them and, and just seeing that their how their work ethic was, it just was a positive thing to me that I grew up with. And then seeing my dad and seeing how coaches mentor these young men, 
and the right way leadership should be done where, yeah, you've got discipline, you've got strictness, but you also reward these guys, but you also instill the discipline again, but you don't need to scream and yell at them. You don't need to berate them. And it was, it just was something that sunk in that I, again, I, I didn't think I really realized I, I was learning at that time yeah. until I, I look back and, and, man, and hey, it, when you're in seventh grade and you get to go catch passes for Jim McMahon, that's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> so were, so were you guys Mormon? No, that's, and that's the shocking thing with Brigham Young. Half the coaches weren't Mormon. Mike Holmgren, really? I don't know if you, Mike Holmgren, who, who's the, who was the Green Bay Packers, one that he was the yep. offensive coordinator at the time. Oh, Norm Chow in the national championship for the USC Trojans was a quarterback. I mean, that team was a, it was a freaking dynasty. And Absolutely. I got to be, I got to grow up around that. You know, my dad, he sent two of his linebackers to play for the Washington Redskins. And, but it, to me, that was just, you know, that was normal. The, working <laughs> wow. hard and busting your ass and not giving up. I didn't know there was any other way. Isn't that old school work ethic? Yeah. Isn't that what you should always do? Right. And then have have my grandpa always doing that. I mean, honest, on the farm every day, getting up and going out and working on the farm and and going from being a picker to owning his own farm. Yeah. That that was just the normal thing to me. I know that's weird in today's kids and society, but it's kind of sad that that's the way things have gone. But um, it did help me later on in life when I, Went to college and yeah. joined the army. It, it, it definitely, really did. It sure. definitely sounds like you're a product of what your parents wanted you to be, oh, which yeah. is, it, I guess, we struggle with that these days because a lot of kids are in trouble, or, you know, yeah. doing bad things. And well, well, I'm not, not saying I didn't do bad things. I did. I oh, did. Every I got, kid does. I, yeah, every kid I, does. I, yeah, because because we're all we all we all have you know we all are confused. We all really yeah. we don't know what to do. We do know what to do. You know, I think we can get off subject a little bit, but I think that's why we have a lot of kids not knowing which gender they are anymore because they're so damn confused. And then they go, <laughs> they're also encouraged for that. And it just, it just confuses them even more. Yeah. But to say, no, I, hey, man, I, in high school, I did my bad things. I sold steroids in high school. Oh. I, I knew how to get them. My buddy, my yeah, Mexican, there you go. Yeah, we've all been there. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> you know, we could, we could get them from Mexico and come over. And, oh, because you guys were right there. Yeah. yeah. Dude. And, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I ran, I only did it a couple of times, but I just didn't feel right. And I like, yeah, I ran, right. co- you know, I, I ran cocaine a couple of times. I never did it, but I, I transported a couple of times and, uh, you yeah. know, in college I did, I did some crane. You know, I, I, Anything so to get I, that money. Just, <laughs> it was, it, but, it, it, but to say, like I said, I, I, I didn't have my own childhood confusion of what did I really want? I did. I guess I just, I did those stupid things. And, and luckily I never got caught until, I did get finally get caught my senior year in high school, but I got caught with the athletic director for the steroids because all of a sudden our football team's getting <laughs> yeah. jacked and we went from winning like one game and now we're going to state champion. It's like, okay. And, um, but you know, it, it was one of those things where not shift off, knock it off, get it out of here. I don't So they mentored you through it though. Game. That like, like any good, yeah. You know, mentor yeah. should do. Yeah, it, it did. And it was a consequence. Like, all right, this is your one chance, you idiot. Do it again. We're calling the cops and guess they're going to handle it. Now, sure. stories is freaking legal. Now yeah. it's like, you can get it. You can go get HGH, whatever you want. We're back then. That, that well, or the woman pills, situation. whatever that is now. <laughs> what, the, the, the male and female the hormone oh therapy shit that people that it's gone the but, complete um, opposite direction. Isn't it crazy? But <laughs> but um, but th- that was one. That, that was that was. And I still remember that because, and then I, I still remember because even though I had the right upbringing. Uh, I had a great upbringing. My my parents loved me. My grandparents loved me to death. They they taught me the right from wrong. I still like any high school kid, any kid. I still dabbled in. Being a criminal every once yeah. in a while. Oh, of sure. course. And, 
And, and I think we all do that. And, and, um, but you're right. I was mentored. I was, I, I, I was, and I was blessed. I think God said, you know, Hey, instead of getting caught by police officer over here, let's get caught by your athletic director at the high school that you're in, you know, and, and his son was doing it too. So it didn't help. <laughs> yeah, but, right. uh, but it was, it was, you know, it was, the, it was the right discipline for me where if I think coming down too hard on me at that, probably my life would have went yeah, a completely different course. direction, or I would have been completely pissed. I would like screw the military, screw law enforcement. They can kiss my ass because I would have been pissed, even though it would have been my mistake. And I'm looking at authority figures now to blame it on instead of blaming it on myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did you transition from high school to, to Ranger regiment, the military? What, what was that transition? That well, I, I went to college first. I, I did. I had a football scholarship at a small school called Colorado Mesa university. They're bigger now. They, they were at NAI's school very big their power really good school and i was very lucky to to play on their team but i've got full of myself i was an all-american my freshman year and i got worse my senior year so i let myself so football was not an option out of college i'm 5'9 160 pounds i'm not running a 4 240 <laughs> so i ain't going anywhere um and i was walking through the student union building i didn't know what i was going to do with my life i knew i had my bachelor's degree so at least i had that in my pocket and it's the job for a day when everybody graduates college and I'm walking through the student union building and I still remember this. I've told this story to, uh, to some other people as well, but I still remember this. The two army, the army recruiter, and the Navy recruiter are standing on the other side of the, of the, of the big room, the big student center. And there's, there's little booths everywhere for all the jobs that are there. That's a job fair. And I, somebody said, Hey, you. And I turned around. I think I was like the, the only idiot that turned around. <laughs> it was the recruiters and I'm the only one that turned to look out of all of them. And I, every other student, I think they were looking down or they not at their phone, you know, phones at the time, but they, they knew they didn't want to talk to recruiters. So I, so I literally, I look around and I'm the only idiot that actually recognized their, Hey, you and Hey, come on over here. And I, and of course they showed me the cool videos. They, I got to see yes. the seal video, but I got to see the, the recruiting <laughs> videos. Like I saw the Ranger video. So I'm watching the jumping out of the airplanes, the going on the, the doing the helo cast, doing the low casting, doing the breaching the doors. I got to see the berets at that time. You know, we were, they were the only ones that had the black berets. I see you guys wore the black beret we wear now. You wore back yes, then, which that was that signified a lot of, I mean, that was, that was an, it was an honor to like, man, I get to wear that black and it looked badass. And the guy on the recruiting video, you know, he's got it canned just right. So he, he wore looks, it right. Yeah. yeah. He's like, that's a badass. But that's what actually sold me between us. A proud beret. beret. Gotcha. It was like that. Right. But to me, cause the rest of the stuff was, they're both doing cool shit. They're both sure. shooting machine guns or everything's blowing up and doing the fast roping really got me. And the Ranger video did more of the fast roping videos than the seal video did. And I was like, that is cool. And I went to the army and, and yeah, um, my, my parents and my grandfather too. I, I know he didn't say it, but my dad did. And my mom did too. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Enlisting in the army, you'd have your bachelor's degree and are you going to go in the army? Are you stupid? I mean, they didn't say it, but I know that's what they're like. Are you? Did, did our son get hit in the head too many times when on the football field? <laughs> and, and um, but I went in. I remember my grandfather coming to the airplane. I'm in Grand Junction, Colorado, and we're flying out to uh, to Fort Benning. To it, no, so was that trip. 11 X-ray or? Yeah, I actually, I had, I had 11 X, and then I got my 11 B when I, you know, when we got to 30th AG. Right, right. At the, at nice. the, but yeah, I'm on the 11 X, but I do have a rip contract. So I, I know I'm going to go into 75th. I'm going Very to try cool. out. Now it's called RASP, the yep. Ranger Assessment Selection. It was called RIP back then, mm. Ranger Indoctrination. Yep. Yep, gotcha. And so I had that in my back pocket. So I knew that I had a Ranger contract. I didn't get bought into the recruiters where they tell you, oh, you'll get it when you go to 30th. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'll get it when you go to airborne school. No, you won't. <laughs> no. <laughs> you get so um, 
but we go there and, and uh, I do remember my grandfather crying when I left and it was yeah, it, huh? it really, it, it, man, it stuck to me. He really That's just cool. it showed me how much he, he really loved his grandchildren and, and how much, and I never saw him ever. He showed emotion. He Those always, were happy <laughs> tears. He wanted yeah, you to, he gave, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it really touched me a lot. And of course my mother, she's trying to hold it back. My dad being that West Texan, they don't cry. I am crying on the inside. <laughs> but we fly to Fort Benning, and and that was a story in itself because uh, I got there, and it, it really did. I fit like a round round peg in a round hole. It just I fit. It, it really meshed everything. What, and just cut in. What age were you? I was twenty five. Tw- oh, so you? Yeah, right. So you're quite yeah. mature at that stage. Yeah, I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm a little older at that. Yeah. Time. And what? So what? What year? This is pre nine eleven. Correct. This is nineteen ninety five. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 19, 1995. And um. I go in, we go in and, and, uh, you know, and, and everything's going great on my PT. You know, I, the first time we ran the two mile run, I'd never done it before. So I sucked ass at it, but I was, I, I was very blessed. God gave me good running. I think it's that Navajo Indian in me, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I could run, I, I could run. So after that first one, I, I could run in PT and, and, you know, and that's what I loved about the infantry and the army at that time is that performance did dictate movement uh, as far as moving up or down a ladder of, of leadership. And if you were, if you excelled at your job, you were, you were awarded. If you didn't, well, then you weren't rewarded. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't that everybody gets a trophy. It wasn't that, you know, it was like, Hey man, you're kicking ass. We're going to move you up or we're going to. Yeah. It's performance sure based. It is. I loved, I love that. And, and, and that and was I, the OSIT, uh, the one station. That was OSIT. That, okay. was, that cool. was OSIT. Yeah, that was. They had just started the one station unit training instead of doing infantry and then going to an AIT somewhere else because stayed and uh, uh, I did very well. I, I remember I was a distinguished honor graduate, which so proud of. But during that first time, I was also my wife was. I was getting the dear the the dear John letters and the oh no already that's early in the career to get those Jody came calling to uh to my house a few times and um that really was hard that initial because fucking right I wasn't mature I wasn't ready for it I never had a I never had divorce in the family from any of my so so you so you were married though or I was married to my first wife at that time. Well, and it's, you know, you go in and everybody expects that, that your, your marriage is going to last forever. At least in those days, sure. I, I never saw it. I didn't think, well, no, we, nobody gets divorced. You know, I know you don't want me to be, she didn't want me to be in the army, but I'm thinking, yeah, she'll be fine. I, I got to go do it someday. <sighs> and, um, but it, it wore on me, but I got to, and it, there's a reason I'm telling you this. Cause I got to airborne school, did fine, got fat at airborne school. Airborne school is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sure. weekends off. I, yeah. I, I'm eating Burger King, like a champ all every day eating, I, um, and then I got to rip and did very well. Rip tremendous. I had a very blessed again to have tremendous leader. I had a, my, one of my rip techs, the rip instructors was Sergeant Jeff Strucker. Oh, shit. Was, oh, wow. From, yeah, uh, yeah, Black yeah. most and the majority of those instructors that I had had just had been Somali vets. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like they're giving them, Hey, that you guys go train and you can come back to the line. Of course they, uh, and, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know much about Black Hawk Down at that time. Mm. I, I really, I really, I didn't. And, um, and what, so what, um, what, what rank was, uh, Strucker at that time? Strucker, I'm sorry. Hold on. Strucker was an E6. Okay. What's an A6? So, uh, staff, uh, staff sergeant. Staff sergeant. So he he yeah, got gotcha. promoted staff, well yeah. out of yes. Somalia. Staff sergeant. And now, now he's a chaplain. I think he's a lieutenant yeah, he is, yeah. Really? He is, yeah. I've oh, seen yeah. He's, he's, the de- the, he's the god devil on the same bed. <laughs> but, but that was that was a lot of those guys were, were, were Somali. And they, 
I tell you what, our rip was no joke. That was three weeks of just. It was hardcore hell. back then. It was hell. I, I, the first time we did a run, I remember whoever was the, was the pay, and I learned how to play fuck fuck games. I learned I learned that. <laughs> hey man, just stick it out in that first mile or two, and then it calms down. But they want to mind. They want to mind fuck you. Want to screw you with your head. And um, and I remember the first run we did. And we got some great runners. You're at rip guys are guys want to be there. And I'm running, I'm running, you know, five minute, five and a half minute miles. And, and I remember we took off running and whoever that he was a gazelle and I was having the hardest time keeping up with him. And there was, it was the funniest thing. We hit that first mile and I looked around and I'm just passing people. People are starting to fall out. And there's just six out of the, there's about 50 of us in that class, <laughs> 50 to 60. I look and there's just six of us and I look behind us and it, it looked like, the Patan death march <laughs> on the side. And I remember going back to, 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 we got them all wrangled back up. Some people quit right off, right. That one yeah, first right. day. Wow. But it, it did teach me like, man, I thought, you know, maybe I'm not as badass as I think I am. Yeah. And I, I also knew that I could get through it. And that was like the first, yeah. Again, you go back to my grandfather. I, I I'm not quitting. I, if I'm not going to fall out unless I die. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking in my head. That's awesome. I will pass out. I will pass out. I'm going to keep running. And it, but it was gratifying. And I think everybody tells you that it's not gratifying to look around and see that you're just with a few guys and seeing all these people behind you. Not that I don't love them and I don't feel for them, but it's like, man, I, this is, this is what I came here for. I, I'm testing myself and I passed that test. This, this initial That's test awesome. on day one. And the next three weeks were just, they were, they were, they were hell. They were, they were awful, but they were fun off. They really, were. I mean, it was, it was, it was just a test after test after test. And, and, uh, I was with this other guy. His name is Perez, Ernesto Perez. We're still friends. He, he was the one guy I could never beat him. And then another guy named Andy Phipps. So I'm still friends with Andy's a cop in Des Moines. I'm still talking to him to this day. Those are the two guys I could never beat on runs, but having them there and us being kind of like we made that little group together yep. where everything that we did, it was always us up front. And I knew I could at least, fall off then I, I if i started to die i could just look and find one of them and, fade, and literally yeah. t- attach myself yeah. to yeah. Them, like Pace okay, just, just keep just keep up with them and um but it, it also meant that rangers how much that black beret meant because once we graduated it's like you really felt like you earned your scroll i hadn't got my tab yet but i earned my scroll and my sure. black beret and um yeah, it was also a testament that I pushed through because during the whole time frame too, my wife cheating on me and she's things are yeah, bad. I'm not good. Oh, and, dude. And uh, I said, we all go through, every guy goes through, I said, I'm <laughs> yep, like everybody yeah, else. Yeah. We all go through yeah. shit in our life. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. I and I got to Ranger, <laughs> yeah, I got to Ranger Battalion and it was, it was hard being a private at Ranger Battalion is not fun. It's like it, people think once you get through Rasp or Rip, it, it's over. It's like, no, it's just beginning. The, the fun, on. it's like the fun is just beginning. Are, uh, are, the, are there any shampoo bottle stories you'd like to tell us right now? Yeah, no, I, no <laughs> shampoo bottle story. Uh, there was some Kim Light stories that I couldn't corroborate because it never happened to me. Yeah. Hazing oh, is no. not. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Kim Light. I, I, nobody ever tried it on me, but I, I want to say I, I it was verified. No, because there are some there are leaders that can haze, but there are times where sure. also learn range battalion. If you give a young guy too much power, sometimes they'll take it over the limit. And you had fours that <laughs> take it over the limit. I remember my my thing. I never had the this the Kim light or the shampoo bottle put where it shouldn't have gone. I, there, <laughs> I, 
That being said, I'm not going to say it didn't happen either. Not to me, it didn't. I, if I, I don't remember unless they roofied me, and I just don't remember what, what happened. Um, not saying that happened either at Range Battalion. I know we're going all over the place. Don't edit any of that out. I don't care. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll be leaving it. <laughs> but um, I do remember my first, learning the first game where we played. I don't know if you guys ever played Space Invaders when the when the uh, in the in the door, where we stay in the in the quad and we come back to our rooms, and um, they I remember the tab spec fours. They come back drunk. And you didn't mm-hmm. want to get caught if you were untabbed in the in the barracks, in the dorms, in the barracks when this tab force came, this tab force came back from <laughs> the night out. I mean, so you would, I mean, they would say, okay, the weekend, everybody's got the weekend off and privates would be like, boom, we're out of there. Just take it off. We don't know where we're going to stay. We just know it's not here. But I remember getting caught once and Space Invaders is where they, all right, who's privates? Get in the hallway and got to run out. And if you're stupid enough to come out of your room, Here's a trash can lid. You put on yeah, all your RBA, yeah. your Ranger body armor, your sunwood and dust goggles, because we yeah. didn't have the cool glasses at that time. You put on your K-pot and you would go down the hallway and you would just go back and forth and they would just huck beer bottles at you. <laughs> Got to dodge them. Spice and, um, I, that's, that's, I think that because I yeah. did that too. I, oh, yeah. I did, I did that too when I – I did that too to, to some of my prides. Yeah. <laughs> but, but those experiences – you need those, man. A hundred percent. Because when you hit, when if you can't take that, how the heck are you going to take it when you see your buddy blow up in front of you? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it really, it, it really, and you, do you really want to be here it, with all that going on? Is that, you know, I, my wife, I, I'm still, my wife has not come join me in Fort Lewis yet. She's fucking around. I'm oh, sorry. This point, th- th- so now you've left RASP, Benning, you're out at now Fort Lewis in Washington. Lewis. You're at Second yeah. Bat. Yeah, now I'm a little. So uh, thank you for filling these, these blanks. I'm always assuming. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Loan for bending. I'm at second bat. And uh, I thought it was beautiful up there. I, I loved my commander. I love my first sergeant. Uh, they, they did really save me. Uh, but, um, get back. I'll come back to that. But, uh, I remember after that, we, we did this JRX mission, which is my first JRX mission. And that's a joint readiness exercise with the unit with, with green, with yeah, Delta. Yeah, sure. Blue. You get the, the Air Force, Air Force Special Operations pilots out there. So you got Spectre up there and you've got, you know, you've got your C-130s that they're flying to, to drop you in. You got SOAR out there. You got Task Force out there. So, and it was pressure as a private. That's extreme pressure because the eyes are on you and you're doing these joint ranch exercises with these, these guys are salty ass veterans that, yeah. And you, you can't fuck up. And I, it was hard. I held it together, but that was wearing on the back of my head was my wife and what she was doing. And I remember I couldn't get a hold of this is for the advent of cell phone. So I don't have a cell phone. Right. I go to the pay phone to make a damn call. Oh my God. She's not answering. And I can, guys, if you can't call you fill in those blanks, nobody's answering. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, oh my gosh. This, the, the, the worst thing I can think of is actually happening at home. And now it's coming to life. And finally, I just, I'll find, I'll call my brother. He's still at home. Love my brother. Death. Him and I still best friend. I mean, he's still one of my best friends. I love my brother. But I called my brother, Mike. I said, Hey, man, Stacy, I can't get a hold of her. What's going on? He goes, Man, I, I, I don't want to tell you this, but she's been fucking around on you for oh, a while no. now. And, and she's probably with, and I mean, it just, I wasn't, it, it was literally like a bomb, just bam. Yeah. And even though I knew it was going on, I was trying to, to rationalize it away. And I, cause you got, I got enough shit to think about just being a private. And I went home and, and I wrote about this in the Ranger way in my second book. So it's out there. I, 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 cause I want people to hear it and, and learn. Uh, I went back home and I actually set up an ambush at this guy's house. Oh, no way. I was going to kill him. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I, yeah I, I get that. I was, and, and, um, and, uh, 
I don't know what happened. I, we still had pagers those days. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had <laughs> get, you know, I, I, just in case we had to get Bravo notification because it was on block leave. I had a block leave. So we got home from JRX. I went on block leave, went back home to Grand Junction. So at least his and murder was sanctioned by the Army. <laughs> it was. It was and I, yeah, and of course, there's a lot of alcohol and a lot of pills that come in before I Yeah. Hey, dude, I, I get it. And, um, you know, and, and I, I think God was saved me. And then twice, because one, before I got to his house, I got stuck. At, he was, he lived in a subdivision that was being built and it just had snowed and rained and it was muddy. My, my Bronco got stuck. It was a Bronco too. So don't ever get a Bronco too. They suck him, <laughs> but it got stuck and it, it allowed me a chance to kind of, you know, take a breath. It's like, well, okay, whoa, what am I doing? You know, it's like, holy shit, this is, this is it. You do this stupid shit. You're, you're going to you're going to prison. This is what's going to happen. Is this what you want to do? And then yeah. my my pager went off, and it was from my sister. She was trying to page me, and it made me. It just really did. It's like it snapped okay, you out of it. Wow, it's like slow down. Yeah, I did, and um, I got my truck unstuck. I still drove by his house. I was saw the bushes. I knew I was going to hide in, and uh, I, I changed my mind. I like, I went no, home and, and that time I just, I, and then I just drank a whole bottle of Jack Daniels and took a whole bottle of Tylenol. It's like, I'm done. And my best, my friend, Matt, the guy, the, the athletic director's son, who we sold steroids together, play football together. He joined the military with me together. We went together. He was home as well at that time. And like, dude, I don't feel good. And he rushed me to the hospital and that, dude, that, shit. Yeah. But that, that time too. Yeah. I, I, after that, I, I, yeah, they, the police found out what was going on. We're luckily in Grand Junction. Everybody know I played high school. You know, I, I'm one. Of, I'm the I'm the Odell rules guy in Grand. <laughs> everybody knows Pirano because he played football. He's a good kid. You know, he doesn't do anything wrong. He obviously I did. They didn't know much about my my drug. So they took right? that into consideration, though. They did, and they 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 shipped me. We had a VA hospital there in Grand Junction, and instead of going to going to lockup or anything, they pushed me to the VA and, oh, and those two weeks there at the VA, I was around guys that really had the Vietnam veterans that were suffering from yes. post-traumatic stress, and, you know, before we called it that, but I, I really made me feel, I mean, it, it humbled me because like, holy shit, I, I'm bitching about my wife cheating and this and that. And these guys have seen death and it's still messing them up. I felt like such a wuss. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. God. No. Yeah. You know? And, um, but it, it, it didn't help though, because now it's on record. I'm at the VA hospital. I'm seeing a counselor. He's trying to get me right. Of course, all this is going into the, in, into my 201 file. I get back to Ranger Battalion. I thought I was going to just be treated like crap. And that was where my first really huge, where I understood the brotherhood more than anything is because I came back and even all the guys that hazed the crap out of me, it, they just, I mean, it was like open arms. They came like, together to take in. you in. Yeah. They're like, dude, get your stuff, get out of that apartment in town. You move into the barracks, we got you. That's what it's and all I get, about. I get, I get chills thinking about it. It chokes yeah. me up thinking about it because I, I didn't expect that. It's an alpha male. It's like, dude, you're, yeah, you're, you're, what are you doing? You're weak. What are you, toughen up, just suck it up. And it, it wasn't, it was, we got you. So, hey, and, and, um, but I, I, uh, I, I actually, uh, I did actually have to get discharged from the military. Just, just quickly, time. mate. Um, with the Rangers, I know for a fact we've had a couple of previous guests on that have been Rangers. Uh, Chris Van Sant, uh, Brad Thomas. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Chris Brad's, Van Sant. Yeah. Chris uh, told us a story. You know, he, he said that they're super strict within. Uh, have we cut out here? 
Uh, no. Oh, there you go. I got you. Cut so, off for a second. It came back. Yeah. He said that the Rangers are very, very strict with uh, with incidences. So you know, if someone stuffs up or does anything that's out of RFS, that, is yeah, what they call they, it. RFS. Yeah, release. You get, you get released for standards. Yeah. RFS out. Yeah. I think Chris Chris got busted drink driving. I think, and he was booted <clears> immediately. <throat> How were the upper echelon? Dealing with your situation, I thought they would have just booted you out straight away. You know, and, and I, I don't know if they saw something in me. I, I mean, I, I was doing very well. I, luckily, I, I was a guy that could PT for days, and that's always looked at highly there. And I was a very good ranger. I did everything I said. I was always rogering up. Um, I think because of the the cheating, and I think there there's a lot of infidelity that goes on in the special yeah, operations of community and the ranger community. I think a lot of my upper echelon had probably either seen that or happened before, and they realized my age and that I did something immature. Um, that uh, they saved me. Honestly, they saved my life. Well, that's awesome. What happened? I, now they, the, the army had its rules. I came back. I still did my counseling. I did my training with the Rangers, but my time at that time was. I mean, it was it was coming to an end. They were. I. I. I there was nothing they could do to. At least I didn't think so. But I. I they could keep me in. But I remember I had a guy named First Sergeant Frank Grippy. He's a legend, dude. He's not Sergeant Major Grippy. He's got more mustard stains and I mean, he's Grenada, <laughs> Panama. Then he was the Sergeant Major of 10th Mountain Division in the initial and in the in the initial Anaconda and with 10th Mountain Division. You know, he was their Sergeant Major. He was out there dropping mortars and tubes as a Sergeant Major. And but he was my first sergeant. And then I had Captain Pete McCamera, who's a three-star general now, who he, he became a regimental commander later down the line. And um I remember I walked in their office and they're looking at me and like, Ranger, you know, okay, we got paperwork. They said, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay in or do you want to get out? My That's wife cool. was still saying we could work it out. And it was, and my wife was and I was saying we could work it, work it out. So I was like, well, I was, I was like, sir, I, I, I think I probably should go home and see if I could work this out. I remember first Sergeant Grippy going, Whoop. and he goes, Roger that. And he headed out of the room and, Pete, Captain LeCamera, I did my little salute. I, all the, Hey, you know, Hey, yeah, customers and courtesies. All that. And um, I said, Roger, okay, we'll get the paperwork done. And, and I was out. I was discharged within, I think, within a week. I was out and back home. But what saved me, I shouldn't have gotten an honorable discharge. Yeah. It should have been at least a general, maybe with honorable conditions or just a general discharge. Oh, mine should have been I, dishonorable. Oh, you're just dishonorable. <laughs> well, so, so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they managed to get me an honorable discharge. And why that saved me is because... After I got out, we ended up getting divorced. I met my second wife down the road. I actually met her at spring break. I went to spring break. After I got divorced, my 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 buddy said, "Hey, come on, you're you're depressed. Let's go to South Padre Island." I met my second wife at spring break, um, um, and um, but in the back of my head, I could just hear my grandfather and my grandpa. I mean, my grandfather and my father. It's like, "Hey, don't quit. You don't. We don't quit anything. We don't quit anything. You get right. back up on that horse. You keep riding." And yeah. it just kept resonating in my head. And I'm like, "Okay, I can understand Grand Junction." And work at a gas station for the rest of my life. Nothing against that. But it's like, you know, I'm, or, and basically die <laughs> and drink myself to death, or I can keep moving forward. We don't quit. Keep moving forward. Keep grinding. And I took it to GRE and I, I got past the GRE and I met my second wife in South Padre Island. She was a volleyball player at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Nice. And uh, I apply. You know, I, I love. Uh, yeah. Nice. Still got nice. Yeah. Auto players have nice. Nice glutes. <laughs> I got nice. Yeah. Nice. nice. <laughs> and um, and I uh, I applied for grad school. And holy shit. And so I I went to the University of Nebraska Omaha. And those two years, there I did get honorable discharge, but there was a stipulation in my discharge papers because of my RE entry code that I had to wait two years before I could reenlist. So RE two. 
Yeah, that's it. And um, nice. and that's that's, that's good. Exactly. Though, but... but um, I got out and I and I uh, I got my master's degree. And during the whole time, though, I'm just preparing myself to go back in, and that's what I did. And I was PT and my my balls off, and I was trying to find a recruiter that would help me. They would see that, you know, uh, they'd see that day. They'd look at everything. They'd be all spun up. And then they'd look at my reentry code and they look at my type of discharge. They'd see the honorable, but they see the rest of the paperwork. And you would just see them go from smiles to, <laughs> oh, shit, I don't have to work on this one. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but but even still, RE2 is, I mean, that I, it's pretty common. There's a lot of stigma I, that goes I, into that. But Actually, no, I, I got, it was an RE3. That's oh. What I had. And so wait, so how did, so is that how you segued into contracting for the agency no actually actually uh i uh i re-enlisted after my two years i got cleared oh nice i got, I got three different so wait a minute you overcame not an re2 but you overcame an re3 re-entry code i have no with idea what you guys told so me about. re3 it's, basically it's just... is a bar for re-enlistment but he overcame it clearly yeah I, which I, is had, I, I had to get i had to get three different civilian psychologists to say He's not crazy. He's not going to go postal. Yeah, yeah. Sure. He's good to go. And that took me two years. Oh, sure. That two years, I got my master's degree. And and when I got it, I remember walking. I, I went to, and I had to find the right recruiter. I went through four, four different recruiters that didn't want to help me. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I finally went to the recruiting command in Nebraska. And luckily, the sergeant major was there. And I said, Sergeant Major, you guys don't want pe- don't have people that want to go in. I want to go back in. I'll do anything that you want. And I put it out there. I gave my paperwork. I gave him all the, all the evals. I had got my master's degree. I was working full time at Mutual of Omaha, so I was bettering myself at the time. And uh, he says, "Okay." And he gave it to this, his recruiter. After he says, "Get this guy back in," and the and the guy looks at me and he goes, "All right, you want to do it all over again?" I said, "I'll do whatever." He goes, Fuck "Okay, yeah. from scratch, you're going to do it all over again." And I'm basic, basic training all over again. Holy and shit! Went back to Benning. Went back to whole thing. So so wait. Where, Back to basic as a tabbed and scrolled ranger, or a, no, I, just, I was just scrolled. Okay, I hadn't got my tab yet. Yeah, but I was scrolled. I hadn't got my tab yet. But still, like, yeah, it was. And, and it, what's the difference between a scroll and a tab? We got to cut this oh, down for no, us no, 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 no. It's, it's the, the scroll is the unit. Yep. There's a saying we have: the scroll, the tab is just a school. The scroll is a way of life. Yeah, and it really up. means that the, the, the scroll is the unit. That's yep. the being a ranger at a ranger. The tab is just ranger school. I'm not saying I shouldn't say just. It's just it's tough. It's, it's hard to get. Yes, but you're not a real ranger if you've been a ranger battalion, and every guy from ranger battalion will yep. tell you the same thing until you have your tab, gotcha. and your scroll. Gotcha. If you have your scroll, yeah, you man, you're but your battalion, you're hardcore. If you have your tab. Okay, you did. You did school. You sucked it up for three months. Yeah. <laughs> All right, or or longer if you get you know if you're longer you count pre ranger and zero week and wrap week, or if you've been recycled. But that is when you really have made it at a ranger. Yeah, that's gotcha. when honestly, gotcha. that's when life, all those other doors start to open up. Yep. Like the agency, like Delta, like going or staying and becoming a squad leader and moving up the ranks and leadership and range battalion. So I had my scroll, but I didn't have my tab because I, I'd only been there for a year. I'd, I'd been at a year and a half at Ranger Battalion, and it was taking about two years of that time to go to Ranger School. Just oh wow! There was a I know, yeah, I know. That's crazy, huh? That's because there was just a backup of guys, and and they just had those guys that died in Florida phase that year in '95. So they were trying to restructure. Oh, remember the hypothermia at that time where they it was the swamp phase thing, right? The swamp. Phase, yeah. So they were trying, Ranger School was kind of in a quagmire too. They're trying to figure out the risk assessment and, if, if, you know, helos. And so there was a backlog. 
But when I went in again, I, I tell you what, though, there was a complete difference. Uh, I could see it in basic training. The first time I went through basic training, they were putting their hands on us. They were, I saw a kid get <laughs> flown across the road day one. Water wall counseling. It is. And, you know, and every damn, every damn, unless he was an 11 Mike, which is a mechanized infantryman, um, every, every drill instructor we had was tabbed. Everyone had a tab. When I came in the second time, there was only two drill instructors that had tabs. And you could tell, and this is just four years, four years removed mm-hmm. from when I went through the first time. Sure. It was a lot easier. It was. They weren't putting their hands on anymore. It, it, the kindler general, General Sincheki army was threatened right. to rear its ugly head. And, but for me, it was like, shit, this is a piece of cake. But I, I it was a great experience because I went through with a lot of future rangers. You know, that second time I went through, I went through, I don't know if you, Leroy Petrie, he was yeah. with me in that basic training class. I went through. Medal of so Honor recipient. A, yeah. Um, um, yeah. He, that's uh, Leroy. I can, uh, Leroy, it's just knowing Leroy from then. I honestly didn't think he was going to make it uh-huh. to Ranger Battalion at, when, when I kicked because he just wasn't really good at anything. But one thing <laughs> okay. I always told guys, is that Leroy, you could knock him down 800 times and he would get back up every freaking time. And that's, and then Leroy was at second range about with me when I went back in again. So I went through it all again, did rip again. Wow. How are you treated? How are you treated? Obviously they know that you've done it before. The second time I went, I was treated because (laughs) it was, it was, I reminded me of stories that when I came back to rip the second time, those rip techs were all privates with me. So when I came oh, yeah, back right. in, they were oh, no. like E5s and E6s. Oh, wow. And they're like, what the hell are you doing here? I'm like, you guys know. You guys know what And they all knew what had happened. Yeah. Sure. And they're like, they're like, oh, cool. And you know, I was like, oh, rock on. You know, Ranger up. Let's do this. And But it, it was, I got treated. No, I I, I mean, I there was some hazing, in, but not, that was like, he's got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha. And actually, and it, it and I, but I didn't give them any reason to not treat me like that either. I mean, yeah. I still put, I knew what the effort would needed to be. And also I knew, knew that I needed to be an example for these. To mentor the young guys. Me. It is because they all knew I'd been a ranger before. They all knew. I mean, it, it eventually gets out that, oh shit, this guy was a ranger time before. Let's do what he's doing. All the, especially all the guys that were going to rip. I, I, but that, but that's also the right thing to do. As if you're going to be a leader, you, you lead by example. You know, don't ever yeah. ask anybody to do anything you're not willing to do yourself and let's just do it. And, but it, yeah, to say it was as hard as the first time, no, no, not even, not even, but a lot of that too is I knew what to expect. Yeah, exactly. The fuck, exactly. fuck, the fuck, fuck games didn't work on me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But uh, so, um, so, uh, and I went back to second range to bat and it's like my career took off. I just went to school. I was there at Ranger Battalion for two months, went to school. Knocked it out, stayed there, became a team leader. Um, eventually, I even I didn't tell anybody. Eventually, the, the commission, the officers, my platoon leader and my captain, uh, CEO, uh, my commander, found that I had got my master's degree, and they're like, "What in the hell are you still doing enlisted? <laughs> right? You need to go become an officer." And I did. I, they gave me an option. They said, even though my platoon sergeant, who was a legend at Ranger as well, Sergeant Rothke. Uh, he's a tremendous guy. Wow. I, I, I really wish I would have stayed longer with him and would learn more from him. But he was pissed. But I, I, they said, hey, you can go to OCS or you can go do a year of ROTC and get your commission. And I was like, well, shit. Our OCS, I don't want to go through basic again, which is basically what OC officer yeah, can Just for betting on steroids. Yeah. I mean, really. And you got to wear those stupid helmets with your <laughs> blue mask. I mean, it, it is. It's basic training again. It's like, screw that. I'll go back and I'll do a year of ROTC. I'll work on a second master's. Not because I, I mean, if I had to do four years ROTC again, then yeah, I would have gone to OCS. But to me, I was like, okay, I'm going to be there, be three, four months at OCS anyway. I'm probably going to be a month in a holding company. 
screw that. Let's just go knock that out. And I did it. And, uh, and actually during that guard time too, I was able to rejoin any unit I wanted to. And I joined 19 special forces group and spent time. So it was, to me, it was like, this is, this is a win-win. I mean, I may not be a battalion. I'm going back to college piece of cake you know and i'm around all these little college girls even i'm married the time, uh, <laughs> there we I, go i guess i got remarried but, you know i'm, I'm around you know and i'm around the uh, visually appealing people not just guys and yeah yeah gotcha uh, you know, and and also um and i'm getting my commission yeah and it was it was a it was a great experience and it was just a year and i did it and what year was this I, it was this was 2002. So 9-11 had kicked off. I was okay. So this in, is, this actually is in, during 9-11. This was 9-11. So it was actually, I was, it was, the, I graduated in 2002. So it was 9-11. Yeah. It was, I left battalion. I had no idea. It was, I left battalion um, uh, in August of 2001. And man, I tell you what, though, that was hard to see my buddies because I was, going through ROTC for a year. I had no idea that was going to happen. I did try to get out of my contract. I remember going to the commander, the ROTC commander. He's a great guy. He was long tabbed. He was, he worked, he was actually with task force. He flew with SOAR as well. I thought he would understand like, Hey, sir, I screwed up. Can you send me back to second bat? They're jumping in. You know, I knew they were going to jump in in Afghanistan here soon. Right. And, um, cause I'm, I still talk to my buddy and granted it's OPSEC, but I know that the code words I'm getting it. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what he, you know, he just said, Hey man, we need more officers than we need, need Rangers. So no, you're not going anywhere. And I go, well, then I'm going to quit. He goes, well, then fine. You're going to be at the, you're going to be at the behest of whatever the army needs. You're not going to go to Ranger with time. We're going to send you where we need you. So I was like, oh shit. So and this I was really 19th felt, group telling you that? No, this was my, actually my ROTC commander. Cause I really, oh, really fell under. Oh, oh yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I fell oh, under, so you're them, under their mercy I, now. I really am. I mean, the 19th group guys, they're all going too. They're all starting. I'm like, shit, sure. I can't go because really I still found an ROTC command, even though I didn't take a scholarship. Now there's a difference. You can take a scholarship and now you're a dot. Now you are following ROTC. I didn't. I, I just simulated ROTC and then I was a, I was a simultaneous membership program with a 19th group. So I got to keep my rank. So actually I got to keep, I got to stay in E5. Nice. Why I was at 19th group, but I still had to get his clearance to to go overseas. So even the 19th group, even their commander, they could write me letters. He's like, Nope, you're staying right here. But you know, hindsight's 2020. It, it worked out. Yeah. I now I, um, but then I, I stayed in and, and went to 19th group and having great learning a hell of a lot of stuff from some, some salty 10th group guys that, you know, they were all E sevens that had left 10th group and they're finishing their careers in 19th group. So their bravos and their echoes and their foxes, they're teaching me a lot of good shit. Mm-hmm. I'm learning from a lot of old SF guys that I, that, that taught me a lot of just of just, to, just army stuff, just stuff that you, you get in group. And um, I remember uh, when I, we did go finally in 2003, this is 2003, we went on a training op in Fort Benning, Georgia. And I remember, Feeling like I had to crap my pants. So two years, I'm, I'm still in the guard. I'm still, I haven't been able to go back to Ranger Battalion yet. Um, and I'm thinking of staying with 19th groups. So I'm still staying with them as an officer. And uh, I, I fart, I, I sharted. I, I farted, I sharted my pants. <laughs> <laughs> now, why am I telling you this? Well, it's because when I did it, my stomach hurt. But you know, you're on the field, it's hot, yeah. it's Fort Benning in the summer, we're doing a training op, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in pain. But I, <laughs> but, I, but I also thought, man, I've been drinking too much, I'm not drinking enough water, we're out here busting our ass, I'm sweaty. It's and gonna happen. Every, everybody shorts, you know, I got, <laughs> Everyone. I got a cute, you know, Copenhagen, too much Copenhagen. But I do 
remember that when I started to walk, it just didn't feel normal. And the, and the shark didn't sound normal. It sounded kind of gurgly. It was like, <laughs> like, like mucus. I, well, I, I reached back and I, I, it was all, it was all bloody. I, I was, I was, Bleed. Oh. I was bleeding out. I know it's like nice. was, um, blood there. And I walked to the, you know, I was like to, uh, I was like, hey, I, I showed the commander. I was like, hey, man, I, I think this is my poop. Here. Yeah, I think it's like this is not right. <laughs> and, um, my butthole. It's just like because it's not bright red, but it's it's sticky, and yeah. you can yeah. tell it's oh, yeah. blood and mucus. They rushed me to Martin Army Hospital, and uh, they 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 assaulted me with the endoscopy and the colonoscopy. <laughs> oh no, I know, and um. I remember the doctor came back out, the GI doc, he came out and he goes, I don't know how you've still been in this long, but you got either Crohn's disease or also colitis. Oh, and it's fuck. at an advanced stage. <laughs> oh, fuck. He's like, he showed me pictures and it looked like I had road rash on my colon and my lower intestine. And that was, that was hard. You know, I, the reason it was hard is because everything was going right. Except, except for me getting to go over with the original set. They went over to Afghanistan, except to getting into the war. And I, I didn't, I was like, to God, I'm like, I did. I looked like, what did I, what did I do? Did, what did I do wrong this time? I mean, the other ones I could, I did something wrong. I felt like, okay. Right, right. But that's not on you. That's on the world at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it it was a learning experience. So it was learning another learning of obstacles. And I, I got medically, I mean, it wasn't even, I didn't have a a voice in it. I mean, it was asked, I got medically discharged. I mean, the paper took a little while. It took, it was 2000 end of 2003 and, um, or, and, um, or beginning of 2003. And, um, but I, I got medically discharged and I have no complaints. They did take care of me, but my life was, I, I, I was like, I just graduated from ranger school. I lost 30 pounds in like two weeks. I couldn't eat. I did everything I ate just went right through me. And it was just a learning experience. And I, I again, I just remembered my grandfather and my grand, my dad's like, we don't quit. Find, find a way, keep moving keep, forward. So you kept and drawing it, on that, that one experience. It is. And even the Rangers, so, you know, I kept thinking of, of when we always used to clear houses, what they, you would say, find work, find work, just yeah. find work, <laughs> find work. And so every day I, I, I would try to figure out what I could eat, what I couldn't eat. And then every day I'd do a push up. And then if I could do two push ups, I get up and do two push ups and crawl back. I mean, I, I really, I looked like a, I looked like a, 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 a tournament camp. I mean, it was just yeah. gross. And my wife luckily was there. She was helping me through it. But that year went by, um, and I eventually, I got stronger. I just, every day I would try to eventually where I would even get out and walk a block. Then I'd walk two blocks and I'd run a block and I run and it got to where I was running two miles again. And I was able to eat and I could figure out what I could eat, which was a very, very boring diet, tuna fish, rice, <laughs> no bread, no alcohol, cut that tobacco out. And, um, and I was on massive amounts of prednisone, just prednisone through my body and all this other shit. And, um, out of the blue, um, this was right at the end of 2003. I got a call from Blackwater Security and, and oh, another geez. call from tri- from Triple Canopy. Cool. Was right around the same time. And that was, you know, that's when Eric ran Blackwater and you had yeah. Lee Van Arsdale, fucking legend, running Triple Canopy. The golden and they're bush like, hey, era. Go be- I do. He's those guys. I mean, Eric, I love Eric too. Eric's, Eric's went off the deep end a little bit now, but Eric is a patriot. I, sure. I have no, I, I, I've actually became friends with Eric and his family later on. But, um, it was just, it was, a, it was the weirdest thing. They called me and I remember the Black Order recruiter asked me if I wanted to be a contractor in Iraq. And I thought they meant, because I didn't, I've never heard of a contractor. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's like what do you mean? I, I, just, I don't know. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how to build houses. I know nothing about heating and air. <laughs> General like, no, contractor. No, 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 no. Like, no, 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 no. We want you to go do what you did in the military. We just want you to go to civilian. We got your name from a 
person you serve with and like, do you know this guy? And like, well, yeah, we were, we were arranging a time together. Well, he gave us your name. He said that you qualified for this. Did you spend this many years? And I had accumulated at that time with 19th group and, and, uh, and range of battalion, you know, six years total special ops qualification, right. you know, whatever you'll call it. Nice. And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I can ver- verify it. Here's my paperwork. I'll send it in. And then they said, and I said, well, what's the pay? And then they told me to pay. And at that time, <laughs> yeah. Thousand bucks. That was the golden age. Balls. Yeah. Yeah, So I was like, you're going to pay me what? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. And the last question was, are you sick? And I'm on the phone. No. no. I've learned my lesson to this. (laughs) No. As far as you know. No. And I'm thinking, as far as you know, I'm not sick. And and I remember going to my wife after the call and I I was, it it felt good because it's like, man, I'm not going to miss my war. I'm not going to miss it. You know, because that's what we all train for. Exactly. I, I get a chance and, and I get to get paid outrageous sums of money. And man, outrageous. this sounds like some cool cloak and dagger shit that we're going to do. And uh, I went to her, I said, hey, uh, I'm going to be going to Moyak and going to Iraq in a month. Please don't divorce me. That's <laughs> what I said to her. <laughs> and she's like, and it's, but and she's still, you know, we're still, we, we had some issues back a few years ago, but we're, we're still, we're, we're, you know, I love That's awesome. death and, we're, and we're then together. she heard the salary. And yeah, then she exactly. Heard the yeah. Like, yeah. And, um, and I remember going to Moyoc and it was the most dysfunctional training I'd ever seen because yeah. you had unit guys, Rangers, SEALs, White Soft SEALs, and the Blue White Soft, everybody else but Dev Group. You have the yep. Vanilla SEALs, yeah. and you've got the Blue SEALs. And then you have these instructors that have all been on the Brimmer detail for like six months and they're trying to teach everybody PSD and it's just a bunch of SEALs. I learned absolutely nothing because it was just people no SOP. yelling and, yeah. and they're just yelling it because I'm not listening to you. Fuck yeah. you. You're, I'm not yeah. listening to I you. I out badass you. I know. And exactly. It was It was my ops are blacker than your ops and this shit. I'm like, what? <laughs> I remember though, I'd sit and I, I went and there was a bench out there in Mark and I remember sitting on the bench and looking at everybody fighting and I was getting paid two fifty a day oh. just to be in the training. Which I thought was still a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm just smiling. One of the instructors comes over to me and he says, What are you smiling at? And he's trying to be tough. And I'm like, whatever. And I'm just looking like, man, I'm sitting in North Carolina. It's beautiful out. I'm watching a bunch of guys bitch at each other. I'm drinking water. I'm making 250 a day. This is freaking awesome. <laughs> I said, My life couldn't be any better than this. And he just smiled and and he and he walked off. And but I remember that being, even though it was dysfunctional, it was still Oh my God. It's like a second or a third chance. Yep. So that's what it felt like. And back in years, I'm a bit, I was all over the place in Afghanistan, what it was. And I did never work at Chapman uh, or Coast, but I was in Kandahar, Herat, Kabul, uh, and then all over in the Shindan and, and then um, places like that. And then I, I worked in Libya and Yemen. I did anti-piracy work off, off the coast of Somalia. Um, Who's got the bad internet? Hey, mate, hang on. We just got some bad connection. May work itself out. Let's hang on. Yeah. He's still talking. Hang on, Chris. Uh, we just got a bad connection. I got you. I know the connection. Where'd I lose you? Yeah. Uh, hey, Matt, I got you, buddy. I'm, I'm standing by. Oh, there yeah, we, we go. got you. We got you. You're back again. It looks like it's, is it, is it your internet, internet terrible? No, no, it's, let's go down. 
No, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I saw I, the connection went bad. I saw. I, I, I don't know. You just tell me where you lost. Yeah, me. Uh, and, uh, it says your bandwidth is low. If you, your kids aren't on YouTube, are they? <laughs> I don't think they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be on anything. Is my bandwidth going low? Yeah, right that's now? what just said. Uh, just went yeah, yellow again. So that's so. generally we know that's when the kids have got their iPads out and they're <laughs> stand, stand, stand by, stand by, man. <laughs> I know it's, it's fluctuating. Let me, let me see. I'll be right back. Yeah. <clears throat> Hey, well, I'm back white again. Yeah, that's what it is. Generally, the kids are on. Is that show. what it is? Happens a lot, especially in places where the internet shit. As soon as that bandwidth gets full, it means your kids are on PlayStation or on iPads. Interesting. Hi guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my my boy, my boy jumped on YouTube. Yeah, there you go. He did. I he, did. It. I he, did. It. he did. He's like, he's like, that's what, I got. that's what I got from him. But um, you know, you're yeah, talking about where, yeah, you're talking about all your uh, locations you've been to. Oh yeah, and, and that the uh, you know, like we all did. I, I got to work in. I got to work everywhere, all over the Middle East. I got to work in. Uh, I got to work in, of course, in the big two, Afghanistan and Iraq. I yeah. got to go to Pakistan. I got to go to. Yeah, right. I got to go to to. Uh, a lot of private stuff. I worked to South America, Central America a lot, which was fun, like we talked about in the beginning. Um, and uh, I did anti-piracy work, which was kind of cool. I mean, Captain Phillips got attacked. I, I, I got called to be uh, – I was like one of the first seven guys to go ride ships off and down the Red oh, Sea and the Indian Ocean and the Gulf of Aden. And, and so, um, like I said, I, looking back now, all those things I went through were like, man, that sucked. That obstacle sucked. That, it really worked out for the best because – I think I got to go to more places and do more things as than a contractor. I would if I would just, yeah. As a and, that, and that was with the, all that was Blackwater or is that a combination? No, it, was, of- it was all different. I mean, I worked for Blackwater. I worked with a company called Nexus or a company called Greystone. Yeah. Um, I, I work private, private stuff. Uh, we're just private organizations down in South and Central America doing anti-kidnapping work, which is just private entities. And, yeah, yeah. and, but all, all of it was word of mouth and it was all from guys that I'd served that were working and like, Hey dude, yeah, we all pass each other business. Hey, yeah, so yeah. It, it was cool, but I through the mainstay of all that though was GRS. So GRS at that time, you know, we could do sixty on, sixty off, sixty on, sixty off, sixty on, ninety off. If I had that many days off, then I'd go do something else for a couple of weeks before I go home. So oh, so you contracted me, in between contracting? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> it was it, it was fun. It was a good time, I, and I, I and that was what was cool about GRS. I don't know if it's still the same at this time, but they let us do that. Yes. It's just you couldn't stay on a GRS contract for more than 90 days without special clearance because guys were going home in domestics. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but they couldn't stop you from doing another contract for somebody else. Well, plus, if you and, go back um, in country, you have to pay taxes, which a lot of people don't, that, don't realize. It, and it is. It, so I, I, I tried to. But I, I still you know, I still had a wife and my kid. My son was born on my first contract to Iraq in 2004 when I first went in. And so I had a family. I had my second daughter. She was born. I, but I, I missed a lot of their lives. Yeah, time exactly. And then uh, and then 9-11, 2000. I mean, 9-11, 2012 happened. Yeah. So. And, in between this yeah. time, before 2012 kicks off, uh, w- w- was there any other incidences that you were involved yeah. in? Yeah, obviously, um, contracting at that stage, especially in Iraq, was fucking hot. Like it was. It was. It was. It was. It was, it was, it was I, I, there was a specific incident, um, and I wrote about it because it still sticks with me. It's where I, I made a bad call. I really did. It was a State Department. As far as I went to GRS, it was 2005. 
And we're in the Mansoor district. And at that time, I actually was the detail leader for the ambassador's detail. Zamio Khalilzad was the ambassador. He's a head guy. And I had worked my way up and I was actually in charge of his detail. So I was in charge of all the Blackwater guys. I was Blackwater at the time, but I was in charge of the contractors. And then we had a company of infantry grunts from Minnesota National Guard. I had the little birds, the ass monkeys. I had all those guys. But I still liked to go out on the ops. I hated sitting in the office. So I even as a detail leader, I'd jump in the Humvees with one of the military guys and I'd take a PO position and I'd ride with them. But, but we'd, we'd go out. But I, I do remember this one incident. It was when Delta went and wrapped up who they thought was an imam that was a terrorist. And he wasn't. He was actually just a, a mom. Yep. And um, it was a bad rap. Bad. But they shouldn't have done it. Pissed that whole side of that monster area off. Oh, no. Everybody was pissed. Um, so Khalilzad was gone. He went to France. So his deputy, which was, I loved him to death. He's one of the few diplomats I actually respected because he was our Vietnam Ranger. Um, James Jeffrey, he was the deputy chief of mission, but I still disagree with him. He's like, yeah, we got to go to apologize to this imam. I was like, sir, that just happened yesterday. <laughs> I don't think we should be going in that area. Now this, you know, this is, this is not the, well, who am I? I mean, no, no, we're going uh, Roger that, sir. We're going. All right, let's get. And I got hot. We got them hot and heavy. We got in there. It was. It was. But and I'd been in country for that time for almost. It was almost eight months. I took a month off. So really, I'd been in country thirteen months. Out of a fourteen month period, I'd been in the country for fourteen for thirteen of those months. Yes. Got to go home from it. Um. So you're seeing. You know, Fern had died in the in the bombing at the at the cafe Green Zone Cafe. You know, um, we had an incident on Haifa Street where guys, where nobody died, but they blew up our, our rolling, rolling the uh, grenades underneath our yeah, freaking yeah. Suburbans. And, uh, but we've been relatively lucky. And, but I, I just, just, you know, you're over there that long. I didn't feel, you, you just, you, you get acclimated to Baghdad. I'm yeah. not, but I'm not normal. I'm, I'm always, you know, you're just always ready for something. And during that day, it was going to be pretty cool. It was a nice, beautiful day of 70 degrees. It was, and there was these two little girls playing across the street. And I just, you know, I, I was watching them play and it, I felt normal, you know, like, man, this, this like feels like any street in the United States. I mean, aside from, you know, <laughs> a little smoke out in the distance, there's always smoke going somewhere, yeah. something blew up, but I felt normal and we're leaving and it's the end of the day. We're off. Everything's going great. We've had a few close, like these things were getting weird. You know, people coming out and standing on balconies. This guy kept some taking pictures of stuff that always feels weird out there that you kind of get used to. There's a Mercedes that ran on us twice. And I had a great Ranger buddy, Joe Espino, who's still state department guy right now. He was my, my saw gunner. He would get out in the street and he would point down at him and we stop and it would turn. And I, and he did that twice. And he's like, He's like, he's like, Chris, man, I, this something's not right. I don't feel right. It was like, well, we're about ready to get out of here. Let's, let's just get it ready and let's get going. So called the little birds in. They came in. I went out on that first blocking detail with the, with the National Guard guys. We set up a little blocking point so the gym bastard could just shoot through. That's, that's the high, we're doing the high risk. Yeah. High risk PSD, you know, the hardcore PSD. Yeah. We're blocking intersections. We're out there and. I'm blocking traffic. I'm stopping it. I'm out there doing, giving the onion, doing what I need to do, <laughs> talking to people, still trying to be nice to. I let this military convoy. They're backed up. I don't want them stuck in traffic. I let them come through. They bang, they bang by us and they go back to basically going back to the same area where my team's already at. Well, as the ambassador shoots through, he's gone. Good to go. He's on the way. All right. Good. And it, it's cool. You guys can relate to that. Seeing the suburbans, the mm. guys that know how to drive. 
watching that dance that's so freaking oh, it's, it's awesome. awesome yeah little birds oh, little yeah. birds are guarding them, so they're just you know, everybody's out like all right good to go i still get chills thinking about yeah. it it's still just cool like, yeah but um like okay we're ready to go i was like advanced team because advanced team stayed to act as a follow on qrf i said can you got your can yeah we're good to go don taylor sf guy great guy because yeah we're ready to go and all of a sudden you just feel, you know you're not boom and rock shakes yeah. ground shakes and a little bit of that overpressure, but I was still down the road about a hundred meters, but I see that poof of smoke go up and it's, it's in that same area where those little girls were playing. I didn't think it was just like, Fuck. and I got on the road. I was like, Don, and Don, my guys are like, Don, you good. He goes, yeah, we're good. He goes, we need to get out of here. I said, Roger that move. And I go get your asses. And they took off and we stayed put held that the, the, the guard guys did. And then as they pull through, I didn't even think about it, but the military guys had gone that direction. The guys I let through wasn't even thinking about it. all I'm thinking about is mission, mission, mission. I got to get my guys home. That's, I'm not thinking about anything else. When we get all home, as I, as we're pulling in, we're the last follow on. We're the, we're the basically the, the QRF for the QRF. One of my little bird pilots, Dan Laguna, he was a, he was a sore guy, Vietnam Ranger, just a badass. That dude's a badass. He, I see the little bird come in, it flares, and then it comes up and it goes, shoo, takes off and it starts heading back to the explosion. I'm like, and me, I'm the detail leader. He's like, motherfucker. I said, where are you going? I'm like, hey, get back here. I, I mean, I, I said it more tactfully yeah, than that. Yeah. That's where, like, where the <laughs> hell are you going? Well, I think that the op's over. I, I don't, I'm not thinking collateral damage. I'm not thinking any of that. I'm just oh, thinking no. oh, my team's good. We're good. And I know what's going. And, uh, Dan being salty, being through this before. I'm a rookie. He's not. He's a veteran. He's seasoned. He knows, hey, man, there's other lives that need to be. So just because we're okay doesn't mean that there aren't other people there that might need our help. I'm not thinking like that. Well, when he comes back, I remember um, I remember walking in the office and uh, he's sitting there. I'm like, where the fuck? What did you do? He goes, why didn't you come back? It's like, why some and that's when it hit me. That's why I went, oh, shit. I didn't even think about the military guys. I didn't even uh. think about the little girl. It's like, why did you come back? I said, why? He goes, because that military convoy got hit. And there was a little girl that got hit. And her dad was trying to get her in my helicopter because she'd been blown apart. And I didn't have enough room because I loaded the military guys onto my helo to get them to the cash. And I was like, fuck. And he didn't say it, but he looked at me with that stern like, dude, you fucked up. You could have saved that little girl's life. And it really, it, it, it hurt. It, it stuck with me. Yeah. It's like, man, you got to start thinking outside the box, man. You're, you're not just because you're you guys got, we could have, I had a whole, I had a whole company of Humvees that could have went and blocked off that section. And people said, well, why didn't the platoon leader say anything? Well, honestly, I don't care what it, it didn't matter. I was still riding in that seat. They were listening to what I was telling them to do. And, um, it made me realize that, man, there's, there's more than just the mission, man. You yeah. got to think outside the box. You got to think that what other damn, what else can we do to save people? What else can we do to help? Well, just because you're okay. Can you do anything else to make sure anybody else is okay? It was, I was a right. very selfish leader at that time. I just, I didn't know. I, I've been a good leader. I thought, but up to that point, I hadn't experienced that kind of call to make. Other than mission, mission, there's always mission first, mission first, and not humanity first. It really was. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, it stuck with me, but it, it, it helped me because when Benghazi happened 
it was never mission first. It was fuck your mission. Yeah. No, we're going. Yeah. So I look back on it now. I, I and again, I, sorry, I almost lost it there. I mean, no, it, no. it still bothers me because no, no, I, I still remember Dan looking at me just, and I felt like the biggest bag of shit. Yeah. But hindsight I, I is 2020. I mean, like in, in the moment, you're right. You know, but, it, but in the moment though, now, if that would happen now, I would have made it. You know, of course, I'll make it. Oh, you have the call. benefit of hey, guys. <laughs> I, you know, I've been, and that's you learn from it. But uh, shame and humility are, are 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 just as just as rewards are good learning learning uh, learning techniques. So is shame and humility. They they, they yeah. help you learn too. And I I never wanted to feel like that ever again. And um, it is stuck with that that moment stuck with me. And me learning from a great leader like that that has been there done that that humiliating experience made sure and it's etched in my my memory obviously that i will never make a mistake like that again yeah. but you're right high size 2020 and i i accept i'm, I'm not gonna i've went to, i've done those those demon roads with that with that and other things that have happened yeah it doesn't get to me like that anymore but it's still a humbling experience i i don't ever want to forget because absolutely because I, I, it's, it's it's something i'd ever want to make that mistake again and, and I, i'm very proud to say that Benghazi happened that I did make that mistake again. That neither, yeah. none so that's of what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, let's definitely uh, move forward to uh, Libya and how does that come across yeah. with you working there? You know, I, I loved uh, one thing. One thing I've learned as a contractor, you guys can probably say the same thing. Throwing over dictators is stupid as hell. And that we're, <laughs> and we're, we're, we just love doing that. And I don't think people understand how much we did that with Obama and he gets oh a pass and all that stuff, man. We were, he was the worst, just the worst at, at, at just coming and wanting to take control of countries. And, and, but Hey man, I was there, I was there working it. You I was doing, doing it. Yeah. I was enforcing that far yep. foreign policy. Uh, but when we got into Libya, it was, it was honestly, it was, and at that time too, GRS, we could do whatever we want. We knew the cities and I was probably still, hopefully still the same. I knew every city better than the local. I mean, I'd go out oh, yeah. every day. I knew every back alleyway. I knew every coffee shop. I knew every place I could get a good cup of chai <laughs> and see the Mediterranean. I don't know, a good place I could get the best mystery meat or the best chicken kebabs, you know, the pizza that had no tomato oh, yeah. sauce on it, but it still tasted pretty good. I, I knew the best DVD booth. You know, I was, I just, I got to know the, uh, the Haji shop. That was what was awesome. I got to yeah. know the sooks and everything. No, so, and, um, so it was, so the, the mission, in Benghazi was the primary mission weapon buyback of the the failed state that may or may not have been caused by us, yeah. or was it PSD stuff? <laughs> it was it was buybacks. That's so you're looking for manpad buyback, uh, surface for, damage. We're looking, yeah. Primarily SA sevens. You know, Afghanistan. It, we were looking for for uh, the clues for all the uh, stingers that we had there and stuff like the, the actual. Right. The actual essays, the actual service missiles that work that we gave the Mujahideen. Right. Well, we're looking for their cousin, for their, their not so illegitimate cousins, SA sevens in Libya. They right. aren't that accurate, but that was also too. And, and also, uh, it's out there. I'm not going to confirm or deny this, but we weren't destroying those weapons either. We were, it was, we were, we were, hey, we were destabilizing Syria at the time. Yeah, right. Uh, Tra so I'm transferring them to somewhere else. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying they may have may not ended. That may have been the mission was them to end up over there. I'm not saying that happened, or I'm not going to say it didn't happen either. Um, but it was also some PSD because we are gathering in for intel. 
the weird thing is where it caught me when, when I was in Tripoli first, before I went to Benghazi, I worked in Tripoli for three months before I went to Benghazi. So, so that's up north, uh, north, up, uh, north of Tripoli is actually, uh, Tripoli is more, I would say on the Tunis side. So is that west of Benghazi? Cause okay. you got Tripoli, Derna, yeah. and then you got, I mean, Tripoli, Benghazi, then you got Derna, which is completely, I mean, that, that place is even worse than Benghazi. You can't even get in there. And then you had Misrata that was, I think Misrata was, yeah, I guess it is north. Tripoli's more northwest than on, it's, but they're really, they do follow the coastline because you still have the coastline on both. Sure. Um, but uh, Tripoli's the, the capital. That's the bustling city. That was, and, and I have to say that it, that was, that was fun. We had a good time there. We were doing a lot of doing some buybacks, <laughs> um, doing some protection. Uh, we were collecting intel, doing a lot of stuff where, where, you know, you, you do all the IT, all, the, they all have those dang, uh, those internet shops, you know, the internet cafe. Yeah. yeah right. I mean, that's, that's, that's a case officer's dream right there. Just going and throwing shit in the computer. <laughs> a lot of that. Now for um, the, for the intel, were you, was the primary insurgent group AQAP or was it Ansar Al Sharia? What, what, who were you guys after? It was, it was a bunch. It was really AQ, it was AQ, um, uh, Al Qaeda in the Maghreb, so it was AQIM okay. at that time. Oh, okay. But but it was Rafala Sahate was another big one that was there. We were watching them, and Ansar Sharia, of course. And then we were also were keeping eyes on Seventeen Feb because they and those were the there. allies, though, right? They were supposed to be. And now that shit, they were uh, Abala, uh, uh, you know, Katala, the mastermind. He's no mastermind at all. Katala was Seventeen Feb, and the media never put that out. And Katala, the the mastermind they caught that caused the 9-11 attacks, and he wasn't. He was a foot soldier that was there. Uh-huh. He was a sergeant in 17 Feb. So, but that was what was weird is that, I know I told you about what we got in trouble. Me and Boone would actually go do our job and go collect intel. And I do remember, I knew it was about two weeks before the attack. We went out, and Boone, Boone's actually, I don't know if Boone knows, Boone's black. I know he's portrayed in the movie. Boone's African American, <laughs> and with me when I wait, wait in real life, out, he's a black dude, is he? Yeah, he's, he's African. Oh, yeah, he's black. Nobody would know that. That's cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know me when I grow this out, I, I can I fit in great. I mean, it's 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 shocking that you Mexicans and Middle Easterners kind of look alike. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and um, but we would go sit on a we go sit we went and sat. I remember two weeks before the attack. We had a, we had intel from our targeter that there was a Rafalis Tejate camp near our base. And she's like, we can't confirm this. Can you guys go confirm it? I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Get in a car, drive out there. We get on the road. We sit there. We do like everybody else. We're doing our little pretend picnic on the side of the road. It's Thursday. So it's man love Thursday anyway. So it's two dudes in a car. It's no big deal. <laughs> and, um, I do remember seeing that it was a little base. It was a little, you know, surround looked like it, it looked like a typical mud hut, little fort living area. And I remember there's this little slit in a wall and we're sitting, I can see through through my binos. He can see here's and I see this guy walk by and it looked like Al Qaeda, man. I mean, it looked like literally Bin Laden's right hand. I mean, the, it, the hair on the back of my neck stood up like, holy shit. Cause we didn't, we knew the terrorists were there, but we didn't know it was that organized at the time. We didn't know it was that level of terrorism that was there at the time. I mean, that was like, it's like it's a car we walked in front of us. I mean, oh, wow. Like on. And it oh, was shit. like, so we saw that and I, I was like, holy shit. Cause we knew that, you know, we knew the local militias were there. We knew they were bad. We didn't get the word that, you know, Ansar Sharia was turning into ISIS at the time, which we helped make, but <laughs> we didn't really know that it had gotten to that level where now the foreign fighters are starting to come in. So all the Libyan militias really were local fighters there. It wasn't the right. foreign fighters, Chechnya, like in Baghdad and Afghanistan, where you yep. had the Chechnyans sure. coming in, you know, you had, you had, uh, you had Pakistanis coming in. Well, 
I look and it did it look straight up like a Pakistani militiaman, like an actual that's hardcore guy right there. And wow. I turned to Boone and I'm like, dude, I gave him the microphone. He goes, Yeah, that's he looked at me saying he's like, Yeah, that that fuckers that, that's hardcore. That's that's hardcore terrorist right there, because that's AQI or something. We go back, we tell the targeter, Bob finds out, he chewed our asses out. He's like, Why are you guys out there sitting on the it's like because we're doing our jobs. He goes, if you guys do that again, you guys are out of here. And is you, that what you know, was depicted in the movie? He was predicted. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I mean was, that that scenario is that 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 was not in the movie. We didn't put the movie that part of the. It's just it's just time. And the reason being is just the time. It's just so hard to get all that in there. The, sure, sure. The the uh, the were the the Roan Jack standoff at the checkpoint that happened. That oh, did it? Holy shit! Where he the, yeah, the, the, the drone overhead Ron, thing? Yeah, Roan, and he said just that because and us getting spun up to go help him that was spot on accurate. Oh, we got spun yeah. up ready to go out the gate. And Roan, Roan bluffed his way out of it. <laughs> the only difference was it was at night. It wasn't yeah. daytime. And um, uh, but that that second part we talked about that was in the book that we did put that part where me and me and Bo, where me and Boone were sitting. Yeah, that was in the book. Um, so we just didn't have time to put it in the movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Sorry. But um, what what made me know that we were up to something that wasn't right is that when we got our asses chewed out for doing our jobs. And our targeter had sent us out there. And then, you know, a, tar- a targeter is a targeter is the person that says, all right, U.S. Air Force, where's your next Hellfire rocket? All right, we're going to send it right there. She's sending us out there to gather that intel so they can do their targeting and either hit it with, with blue or red or green or hit it with a, with the, with the Hellfire from a, from a, uh, from a drone, you know, um, from an ISR. So when that happened, I was like, Man, Boone, I don't what what are we doing out here, man? This doesn't something's not jiving anymore with what what the work we're doing. And that's when I realized that really we were just causing more instability in that yeah. region because that was the foreign policy at that time. And it was to lead into I, I call it the fast and furious. I can't confirm or deny this, but if I can <laughs> confirm it, I would call it the fast and furious that we did. From Libya to Syria. Gotcha. Intentionally fast adding fast and furious being a reference to the ATF. Uh, operation in Mexico where we turn yeah, over yes, a bunch of weapons, yeah. better weapons to help d- defeat the cartels. Well, and we're using weapons to defeat. Yeah, we're using we're the enemy of my enemy to, is my yeah. enemy for uh, enemy. So it's like, hey, we trust you, terrorist. Here's your weapons. Now you'll kill those terrorists. I, and, and, yeah, and, this is what America but, does um, best. But they weren't really <laughs> telling us yeah. what was going on, and, and, and we. But he wasn't. But. The targeter was tremendous. I worked her in other areas. She was one of the best targeters I've ever been around. And she was on our side and she was like, just keep doing your jobs. I need this intel. Keep doing your jobs. But that was two weeks before the attack. And then, you know, then uh, me and Boone actually were supposed to go home. And so was Rome. That part of the movie spot on. But we actually had extended. We were supposed to go home right after that. And they're like, Ambassador Stevens is coming in. His special forces team, they pop smoke. They're not in country anymore. Oh, he wow. needs protection. Can, can you all stay? Yeah, he, had, he actually had 10 special forces group. The commanders of the insurance force, the SIF team was his actual detail. They had him all over Tripoli. They would come over to Tripoli and eat dinner with us. We knew a lot of the guys. Yeah. And he actually had a PSD, a really good PSD, but for some reason they pulled him before he came to Benghazi. Is, it, is there any go reasoning on. why? Did it's just a political thing. Uh, honestly, I, 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 I think there was, I think there was a State Department. My opinion, as they wanted, to, they wanted him dead. 
I think he knew stuff that ah, really happened. Oh, not again. That's yeah. that's just that's just speculation. <laughs> no, no, but okay, think, but that speculation is usually pretty, yeah, that's pretty spot on. I mean, well, it's a, it just didn't make any sense to me what was going on, and because I, he was a did the dude. He, from what I understood and what I knew of him, and I, I didn't know him well. I did fall asleep when he did that briefing. I did. I, I hated the <laughs> circumstance. Oh, you piece of I, shit. I, I hated all that shit. I, I mean, I, the, the, the rah-rah shit, I've heard it eight million times. Not that I disrespected him. It's like, oh, here we go again. And I've been up all night yeah. doing a buyback. Yeah, and, sure. uh, and um, But he he loved Libya. And and honestly, I, I think he saw also what was going on was that we weren't trying to help Libya at all. Oh, we so he knew the using, truth about us destabilizing the region, and he, he was he, affectionate towards them. Oh, and he's he's a high ranking diplomat. If you want to put him in a category, because there's different levels of diplomats. Sure, this dude's a three star general. I mean, he's oh, yeah, a exactly. vice, he's the exactly. vice president of the United. I mean, he rates that level of protection, that level of intel clearance, that level of respect within DC when he says something. Sure. And and yeah, damn right. If he's going to disagree with why we're there, especially under that that administration, who we we had just destabilized how many regions before that? <laughs> All of them. But um, another another the another thing is that uh, it, it just was an infighting with Ham and Ham and the State Department with uh, with Hillary Clinton. the troops, <laughs> yeah, with, with Clinton and 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 um and uh, Patrick Kennedy, who's a complete tool. And yep. Charlie Lamb, who's another one that bears responsibility for what took place. Both of those people that got a free pass out of it. But uh, that, when I look back, I was like, man, that's really the only reason I can see why they pulled him because that was his detail. That was so it wasn't his to him. It, it, that the choice to pull the detail came from higher up. It wasn't internal. No, it wasn't internal from him. I it was, and but I I think he went along with it. And from what I all understood is that he just he just said, okay, well, all right, whatever. Sure. You're, 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 you're the boss of me. So, okay, we've got to pull them in. But when you watch the movie and you see jock team getting spun up from, they were, they were in Spain at the time. And yep. this is jock team yep. getting spun up to preposition. That was that team. That oh, team was, gotcha. so they were coming, that, that was his original PSD coming his back. His original yeah. PSD coming back. It was, it, it was the SIF team coming back and they got repositioned and then it's, they stopped. Yep. Yep. So that was his team. That's oh, what that, wow. that part of the movie's wow. spot on too. And, and, uh, we tried to get the movie as accurate. Oh, it's a, it's as accurate, I think, as a mo- war movie you can get, aside from the effects of the yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. and the, and the course, two yeah. Yeah. They don't that don't leave vapor trails. Yeah, no, <laughs> that you can't well, yeah, we definitely but, understand that. <laughs> but all that other stuff, that was spot on. 555th Fighter Wing. They were by their jets ready to go. They, those were the F-16s yeah. that were in uh, Aviano? Yeah. Uh, Aviano. Aviano. And that, that's what, that base is a cure. That's what that base is for. Right. It's for the Med. It's a yeah. cure base for the Med. And they had two jets in Sudabay, Greece, which is... 10 minutes. And why do I know that? Because that's where we would stay when we come into Benghazi or Tripoli. We would stop at Suda Bay, catch a nondescript plane until we had to start flying commercial air over, catch a nondescript plane and we, or boat and we get into Benghazi. Well, where we stayed, our barracks that we stayed at Suda Bay, the F 15s, the, the detachment, the two jets were right off our, right off our house right there. That's where they stayed. So we even had jets closer than that. And we had a Marine uh, Marine Expeditionary Force there in Siganella. They got stood up. Yeah. And they also had one in Spain that got stood up. Delta had already started to move from the States to us. They were on their way. How do I know that? Because I know their squadron commander. <laughs> they were me. coming from sending uh, CAG from the States. To they were come- actually there was a the CAG team was getting was trained up in um up in that the European, they're doing some training up in the European, oh, okay, cool. up near the Spain area as well. And he said, yeah, they were already moving towards you guys, and they they stopped them. 
Um, but all that, brother, I, it, it came down to where you got to remember Al Qaeda was on the run. I was, that was the big, that was the elections coming up. Yep. Al Qaeda is on the run, man. No, no, no. They're not on the run. They're alive and well, but nobody <laughs> needs to know that. Um, Tripoli's a success. We overthrew Gaddafi. Right. Yeah. Made this, made the country a hell of a lot worse, but hey, we overthrew <laughs> Gaddafi. Um, you know, that's our success story. I, and also, you know, we're not trying to, to meddle in anybody else's regions, except <laughs> maybe Syria that we might go into later, but nobody needs to know that. <laughs> uh-huh. So it really behooved, honestly, it really behooved the whole administration just to, it'd be easy just to say that we, hey, yeah, we, we lost, we lost people. There was an embassy attack. They all died. So they wrote, they, um, you, you feel like they wrote you off. I really do. I, I feel that way. I, I don't think there's any other, I, there's no reason not to send any help. Not saying that that help would have got there in time to save the ambassador. Um, but I mean, I think if we, if we, if, but that help mm-hmm. would have gotten there in time to save Roan and Bub and also would have made it a hell of a lot easier. And we wouldn't be talking right now, most likely, because it would have right. been a non incident. It would have been, yeah, too fast. And all they would have had to do is just do a, just a flyover, just because <gasps> the people, they were petrified of the air power because they just saw what of course it yeah. as in any AO yeah. They, that they are. yeah yeah and you're exactly right just I see the flyover and uh no because there was more politically to lose there um if this came to light of what we were actually were doing there and also they didn't know they 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 do now but DC and none of those people you know being jurist at that time they didn't know what GRS was they had no idea what our oh, capabilities no. were they had no clue who we were even the case officer would come in they wouldn't know our backgrounds they thought we were Walmart security guards they had yeah, no idea they know exactly. that you were all they like the do. most elite <laughs> yeah. soft veterans from yeah. every branch of service <laughs> and the and it was a great team because that whole team had done multiple it wasn't really any new guys there it was guys that had been doing multiple deployments Tig was our youngest he was 39 but everybody else mm-hmm. was 42 43 and we'd been We'd been through a lot at that point. And uh, I, I think that was a blessing too, though. I think God made sure that, yeah, you guys need to be there. And we all didn't get along. I'm not saying we all liked each other. We didn't. You guys have been in units. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. But yeah, but it was a wonderful team because we respected each other that even if we didn't get along, we didn't have to hang out with each other. But once the mission started, it was like, all right, differences aside, we're all older, we're all wiser now. The charity levels are all up here. Screw our differences. Let's get the job done. Then we get back. You can go do your Call of Duty. You can go watch the <laughs> movie. You can go spank yourself. Don't care. And, but that was the beauty of that team. And it was awesome because a lot of places you go, and you guys know, it's, it's not always like that, where guys can't put their alpha maleness aside sure. the op. It's got to be I'm always right. But it wasn't. It was we had a team leader that was there, a staffer tool. Awful. Never no military experience. Was that the guy portrayed I, I, in the movie who was the douchebag? No, no, we didn't put him in the movie. Bob was the douchebag. Bob yeah, was, he was the, the real douchebag. The real, yeah. Bob and actually our TL are kind of combined in the movie. So it's an the, amalgam of, of multiple people. It is. The book has our, the book, 13 Hours has both in them, the movie. But uh, but even with saying that, Roan was our actual team leader. Dude. Yeah. We all looked up to Roan. Even though, I don't think Ron liked me too much because I was, I was, I was spitting vinegar. I was always getting us into trouble. That was just my way. That's what I did. Yeah. I, I didn't give it to you. But whenever I had an issue, I could go to him and he'd calm me down. He could always talk me down. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, the movie spot on where we, where we said, well, we can't put our, your team leader in there. Can we make Ron your team leader in the movie? Well, it's like, well, yeah, really he was. So 
it's not much of a stretch. And I don't think it made any effect on the movie at all. Cause essentially it, he's who we looked up to and he's who we answer to. And yeah, we were gotcha. able to do that. I put our differences aside and say, you know what? Yeah. You're, you're in charge. What do we do? So yeah, the, all right, you got to sit. And that was it. The, in, in the movie there, I guess towards the end, there's the scene where the dudes are clearly using a cell phone to get GPS yeah. coordinates. I was that, that within, yeah. did that really happen? And was, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, did, did that constitute PID to engage? Yeah, our, 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 our ROE, our rules of engagement were extremely, extremely limited at that time. Remember, that was right before, that happened right after the Blackwater guys had got to prison. Right. Remember that, remember that, that had happened. So our ROE, even, even if it didn't state that we were taking our ROE to the next level, it literally wasn't. No, and in the movie where he says, I even said, Hey man, I've, I've got movement. I got movement. Roger that. And Ron said, don't you shoot. If you don't see an AK, don't shoot. I'm wow. in prison. He, he said that it was, that was our mindset. It was literally don't shoot. Do you see the whites of their eyes back to the revolutionary war? It, that sort of mind. And, and so we had to wait till they got right on us. So when I saw that car coming in, I do remember that distinctly. I saw it coming and I'm, I've been through enough car bombs at that point. So now I'm looking for how many people are in the car. Well, there's two. And I think I see one in the back seat. Probably not a car bomb. Usually okay. car bombs, there's one guy. Yeah. Cause even, even when they, even when they, uh, what do they do? What do they say when they blow themselves up? They martyr themselves. Right. They don't do it as a team. As and the car is usually squatting pretty good with all that and weight. And again, that's another thing. I'm looking. I'm looking to see if it looks like a six four Impala on high you know, <laughs> shots. <laughs> doing it. I didn't see that either. And my ROE didn't allow me to shoot for cell phones. They, I had to see a gun. I had to, and I was blew, okay. I was on the radio going, "I, I want to shoot these motherfuckers in the face." I'm fucking. I, I'm already. I'm already. Yeah, we've already, that's our, we've already been through what now, four firefights at that point. I mean, official firefights, like right. actual <clears throat> oxygen. I'm, and I, I know I've cussed a lot. Sorry for all my Christian viewers out there. I do still have a potty <laughs> mouth, guys. But, but no, I was like, I want to shoot these motherfuckers in the face. And I was, I was like, give me the fucking okay. I, Cause there's no reason for them to be up there. And I'm seeing the cell phone. Right. And there's I, only one I thing they're doing with that. Yeah. And like they got cell phones and everybody's on the radio. Well, I mean, the movie just Ron says they're probably getting grid coordinates. Everybody's on the radio chattering that. Hey, they're probably getting grids. They're getting grids. They're getting grids. I said, Ron, give me the clear. I want to shoot this motherfucker right now. And it's like, Tano, you can't. There's no guns. You see a gun. No, I don't have a gun. You can't shoot. <clears throat> and oh, my God. And what a shitty spot like, to be in. I was like, God, I was like, damn it. And um, but he was right. I mean, it, it, we we we. That's why, that's why, I, um, when people give contractors or guys that go down range a bad rap, especially all your warmongers or this and that, I can count on my, I can count how many times that I've not shot and let somebody live where yeah. it may yeah. have benefited yeah. somewhere if I would have. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I think we all have those stories. Yeah. And so I hate all you warmongers. I've let a lot more people live that probably shouldn't have exactly. lived than I ever took oh, yeah. life. And, and that was one of them. And I, I do, yeah, I looking back hindsight, definitely. And you know, the back in those days, too, back at that time, that's when those bootleg cell phones were, I mean, they were better than the ones we're getting in the States. Yeah. I remember going to Curtis, going right. to Mobile and buying damn cell phones that you could Google Earth down to the one. You couldn't get these in the States. You can go get different SIM cards that you could, I mean, it was un unbelievable. It's like 3D mapping on cell phones that, on these, but um, yeah, dude, I, I, I think they already have. The way the mortars hit, 
and the effectiveness, and they hit the building that they should hit. That was a TRP. That was a target reference point. So it was dead. I mean, they, they already did, had it dialed in. I mean, they were, they <clears> had it <throat> dialed. That son of a bitch was dialed in because they hit the building that was our headquarters, that had our most weapons, that had our most sensitive items in it, that had the, the command and control structure in it. If you're going to hit a building on our, that's, that's the one. And it yeah. was first one went over, it hit off the backside. And to me, that's just the base plate setting. That first drop is that base plate setting down. Are we talking and 81 then, millimeter? 81. Yep. And, and so then, then they bracketed it, man. And well, that's it. They hit it. And then uh, where they had a, I didn't know if they had a spotter. I mean, there's something I could tell you after they were done with this. I, I mean, I could tell you right now after we're, I'm talking, talking about that, where I think they had a spotter. And I wrote about it in the book. We didn't put it in the movie. But that first one went over the top. Like idiots, they're bringing their troops into the mortar fire. <laughs> I don't care. They can blow each other. <laughs> Roan, Roan spins and he's got their other machine gun and he did. He went sick like that. I mean, he just held that, that other, he held that other. We put a 240 in the, it was a 46 actually. It was a Mark 46. He didn't have a 240. We just didn't have a second Mark 46 for the movie that actually operated. So yeah, yeah. you had to use that 240 in the movie. Right. But still, that's pretty, that Mark 46 can still bring a lot of hate, man. Oh, that's, fuck that's, yeah. But he spun and he just was, and I, and it was still, uh, early morning. So is that EM that is it EMT early nautical nautical twilight or before morning nautical twilight? I can't remember yep. my ranger book. I'd have to get my ranger book out to remember. <laughs> but um, so I still have my nods on, even though in the movie it showed it was kind of morning time day. Mm. It was still it was still dust, so I could still have needed my nods, um, or still dawn. I just need my nods, and I turned around and man, I just remember watching under my night vision. It looked like a laser beam, dude. He's just <laughs> and I saw I start to shoot. I saw. Dave Ubin, the State Department officer, did a very, very good job till he about lost his arm and his leg. He started to shoot. I saw Bub, who'd come in from Tripoli. Mm-hmm. They'd flown in from Tripoli. He got, he managed to get there and it was an oil executive's jet. That was a movie. We had a, he, he, we had an oil executive in Libya that was on payroll. That was yeah, an right. informant. Nice. Right. So uh, it was his jet, but they flew in and he started shooting. And I'm on building Alpha. They're on Charlie. So I'm about 35 meters away, my building compared to theirs. And I once wanted to get my gun in the fight. I couldn't see what I was shooting at. I took a few rounds over their heads. And I'm like, man, I got to look, check my six because the mortars are coming this way. I wonder if they're going to start bringing troops. I'm expecting to see the whole city of Benghazi overrunning the walls. And as I turn around and look, nobody's there. Come back. I take a few more shots. I see the first mortar boom and it hits far for effect. Bam. First one, bam, hits. And my night vision goes white, comes back. I see those four silhouettes when my night vision comes back from that over, you know, the over yeah, 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 the white light. Exposure. I only see, I only see three. So I know somebody got hit and I can hear him. I even heard, I can hear Dave. I didn't know it was Dave, but he's like, man, I'm hit. I'm fucking hit. I hit. And he's just screaming. And, um, but you can't, you, mean, you can't quit. I mean, we're right. still in the fight. And, um, you know, that was the mortar that almost t- took his leg off yep, and took his yep. arm. They were just, um, I look back around. They're still fighting. They're still shooting at something. I took two more rounds over their heads and then I just see the fire. I see the fire for effect. I see the boom, boom, boom. Three of them just hit. Wow. And, just, and, and it's just, and I, as I'm shooting over their heads, it's my vision goes white. I mean, it just whites out. It's like, and as it slowly came back, um, we had PVS 10s at the time, you know, yeah. the, the binos. As it comes back, um, yeah, they were gone. And I, I, all I saw was the, the residue, you know, the explosion. I see the pixie, yep, dust, yep. The pixie dust. I yeah. call it as to see the pixie dust coming down. That, that, that was hard. That, I still, I always remember. I always remember that. I, I will always remember that vision because it was so fucking surreal. 
it's like you, man, it's because it's like, man, I, I, in my head, I'm going, man, my, my team just got turned to dust. It's just, it's, it's literally what it looked like. Wow. It's like a cartoon. It's like poof. And I did put my head down. I, I put my head down that one time negative for you. And I, I, I did, I put it down. I just, did you say a prayer? Like what, what was your internal dialogue? For, in, in that I actually, moment? my internal dialogue, I went, we can't beat this. We're going to have any air support. That's what I thought. Like, oh, we're, like we're, we're toast. We can't beat this. And I, I said, before I said that, God kicked me in the back of the head. He goes, get your fucking gun up, Ranger. And I got up and I kept fighting. I, I, and oh, I honestly believe that was God telling me, he's like, get your gun up, Ranger. And they said it just like that. And I get chills thinking about it a little bit because it, it's, I, I know God exists. Yeah. And I know I probably don't deserve to have any of his love or compassion, but I've, I've got so much of it. And so I, I know it was him saying, hey, hey, get your shit together, dude. You're still in the fight. And me and Boone and Jack, ended up fighting them off and the mortar stopped. Um, the movie editing, I wish they would edit it a little bit better because you see the first thump and you hear that. Sh- mm. And it didn't sound like a mortar. It really didn't, but I didn't wear hearing, mm. hearing protection that, that night. Is. So it sounded like a whiz. It really, it sounded like I talk, I'm talking, uh, stepping on a Frito-Lay bag that doesn't have any Fritos in it. So like, <laughs> and it's like, and I went, did you guys hear that? And I, and as I heard that, the mortar team, that, that, that militia started to move. And then when that first one hit, that's when they took off. And I, I thought they were running away. It was the militia that escorted Buff's team in. They didn't actually, uh, we were very blessed. Uh, their commander had got caught in building C when the mortar hits. So he was on the radio going, I'm in building C. Go find that fucking team and take. They went and took that mortar team out for us. Oh, I remember fuck. hearing a fire just as all that's going on. You can hear tires screaming about half a click away. You can hear pop, 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 and you can hear it. And they're in their own fight. They're when it took the mortar team out for us. Yeah, no. And it's so oh, it's so shit. ironic. I found out later during we did the testimony with Trey Gowdy and did our Benghazi Select Community hearings when the agency, some of the agency people came out and testified. I read the report and then I talked to Trey Gowdy after. He was the one, one guy that was honest with me the whole time. There was the only one that was honest with me the whole time. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not saying. A lot of other the politicians treated me well. Actually, Liza Cummings treated me very well. He just would go treat me well behind doors and yeah. say the opposite thing. Rest but he peace. was very respectful to me behind closed doors. But I found out from Trey later, he's, he, and I talked to him. He's like, yeah, you know, that mortar team, a lot, that, that militia that escorted you guys out finally. <clears throat> and then the militia that took the mortar team out for you. He goes, you know who they belong to, right? I was like, no, sir. He goes, they were Omar Gaddafi's militia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and that was about two years after we finally got home and doing all the slip. And, and I, I had that same, it was like, holy shit, how ironic is, is how it, fucked yeah. up is, how fucked up is our government? I mean, how, how shady is our freaking government that we Dude. just got saved by the guy that was supposed to be the devil? He, literally, he saved us. Right. His militia came and saved our lives. And then there were the militia that came back that I didn't know they were good or bad. You know, that drawdown scene where I did this. That yeah, was yeah. Sp- Pablo played that. That Perfect. was Sp- Pablo was, was pa- what's his full name? Pablo. Pablo Schreiber. Schreiber. Yeah. Pablo Schreiber. Yeah. He played, he played me perfectly. And you and, wore shorts and, and a lot the whole time. Yes, I still got it. <laughs> I got the shorts. Um, it's funny though. We couldn't put this in the movie, um, but I also was wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt too. Oh, no way. <laughs> Disney wouldn't sign off on. Yeah. 
yeah. But dude, that's fucking America right there. Mickey yeah. Mouse shooting terrorists. What, what's right. more America than that? Man? Yeah. I mean, but yeah, Disney Disney wouldn't sh- sign off on this yeah. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so there was one but, obviously defining moment in the movie, uh, and obviously probably happened in real life, is when you guys are basically getting told to stand down and yeah. not fucking go. Yeah. And oh, can you just happened, run us yeah. through that that scenario? But it's, well, it's, it's, it, it really is. It is defining and, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And it showed a lot of, uh, honestly, a lot of restraint by the guys. It showed a lot of professionalism, in my opinion. Um, you know, getting ready to go and watching the team, all we all have our different responsibilities. And I always say this, we did what leaders do at that point in time. Everybody shut up and did their jobs. Yeah. Nobody was barking at anybody. We all had our responsibilities. Everybody knew what to do. And I remember standing there marveling at that whole thing initially because it was just beautiful watching guys just do what they're supposed to do. It was like a symph. I, I, I relate it to a symphony. It was like just watching a beautiful symphony. Five minutes were ready to go. I got all my stuff. All the cars are positioned. Everybody's excellent. Everybody's good to go. I walk by Tyrone. He gives me a thumbs up. I give a thumbs up back to Tyrone. I went to my chief of base, Bob. I went to the team leader. They're both on their cell phones. I say, hey, we're ready to go. And I remember Bob looked at me, gave me a sideways glance. Then he looked at the team leader. And instead of talking to me, I guess he figured I didn't rate enough at that time. He said to the team leader, he goes, you tell these guys they need to wait. So team leader looks at me and he goes, you guys, and I stop. And I go, dude, I got it, man. I'm standing right here. And over that next five, 10, 15 minutes, we're just, we're waiting and we're watching, we're, we're watching the battle. We're hearing the battle. We're seeing the tracers. Yeah. The state department guys are on their radios calling. We're the same freaks. We gave them the same icon so they could call us. And they're, you know, they're calling, begging, get over here, guys, guys, get over. Here. And I remember that's when Tig jumped out of his car and it wasn't, it, it, Ron and Tig were right there. Tig and it's really Tig and Bob are the ones that were yelling at each other the most. Cause Bob has already had already this MO cause he didn't let us go when we went to sit, went to help Ron. We had another incident where, where a case officer got hemmed up and he wouldn't let us go out to help them. So we knew it was going on. And yeah, he's like, he told Tig, he said, you guys stand down. Stand down. You guys are not going anywhere. Now, that was from him at that level. Whether it came from higher or not, I don't know at that level. Honestly, I think he was just shitting his pants. Yeah. Fuck. Um, now, the seconds that now eventually uh, at the 25 minute mark, 25, 26 minutes were were uh, Alec Henderson, who was in the talk, their talk on the video cameras, watching the team get really just crushed. He said on the radio, he goes, if you don't get here, we're all going to fucking die. You know, and before that, he said they're starting to light the buildings on fire. I, I just saw Tyrone crack his door and he just, I mean, Tyrone was a big dude. The movie's Jane Badgedale played him right. He yeah. was, Tyrone was just, boom. He, he would pull that damn tire around the whole barracks, the, the, the prison gym we had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I just remember he went like this. He cracked it. He was in a sedan. He was in the driver's seat. I'm in a Land Cruiser behind me. I'm in the driver's, the driver. I'm driving that. I see the door open and all I see is this. He just goes, and man, I just saw this huge fucking arc around the car door. I'm like, this is bad. Cause he looked like Leonidas. He did. I thought he, he, he had the beard and air. He, damn seals always doing just yeah. making this. Looking yeah. the part. He, he, he did. He had the Leonidas beard. He was monstrous. And I was like, man, I got to get your crap up Leonidas. This is freaking awesome. And it, <laughs> it was, it, but it, I, I remember also too, when we initially got all of our stuff together. Going up to him, this is about five minutes after the call, and he's looking at us. Goes, you guys don't have to go. You know, we don't have to do this. And to me, that was seeing everybody seeing that that quality of perseverance 
where we're given, here's the easy way out, guys. They said, we don't have to go. We don't have to do anything. We can stay right here and we're not going to get in trouble. In fact, we'll probably get awards if we just sit right here. Yeah. Fuck that. We don't have to do this. And none of us just, we all just looked at it. Nobody said a word. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, I mean, I know everybody was looking at him like, are you fucking kidding? Cause I really was, but it was just, everybody just looked at him and, and that's, all right, let's do this. Well, that brings and, you back to your time in Iraq with the, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That, and that's what, that's what I remember. Yeah. I remember. No, I'm not. I'm mission. Fuck mission. Yeah, mission doesn't exactly. mean shit. Yep. No, no. This is the right thing to do. I said, God, God works in mysterious ways. I know I, I, I didn't always feel that way. And it took me a while to come to that realization, but it took a lot of those failures and all that. And then being in the positions that I was in where I learned from a fail, a failing and made the right call later. Well, that's in that what success is, isn't it? That's how you become successful. You got to fail before you succeed. And then you got to learn from it in the military. Isn't that what we always do our ARs? Yeah, exactly. It's to learn from those yeah, failures yeah, so we don't yeah. make those mistakes again. And so that really was. And that's what I thought. Honestly, I did. That's what I thought. A split second. I thought back, oh, all right, here's my second. Again, here's my second chance. I get another second chance to do that's, the right thing. That's awesome, though. But so and so rarely does that happen. I know. To, to get I, that. And, and um, I guess I, I, but I didn't realize how lucky I was until you know, a few years ago when I finally started to just take a break, step away from the media, step away from the public figure bullshit, yeah, step yeah, away yeah. from yeah. all that and be like, Wow. And I thank you, really. You you did me a solid. You and you know, and it helped me. And I still think even Magazi. I you know, I tried to kill myself uh, back in 2017. Like I, you oh, know, fuck. really gun doing the crying game in the shower. I was a, me and my wife were divorced. My current wife that we got we got remarried. Um, and uh, you know, I was looking mm-hmm. in the mirror and I'm like, man, you, you you didn't quit ever on anything. You went through all that hell in Benghazi as well. You didn't quit there why are you going to quit on yourself? Like, and honestly, I'd see Benghazi as also a learning and it helped save my life. People said, no, Benghazi is the reason why you, you did that. No, it would eventually have happened at some point. Yeah. Because of all the other shit. Exactly. Benghazi yeah. expedited, it yeah. expedited it. But also thinking back of overcoming even that night and getting through that night, that saved my life when I was looking in the mirror. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. We went through hell and back. Didn't quit there. Put the gun down, you idiot! What the what the fuck are you doing? I I, I changed my life. I, I just I fixed my side. I started you know I started to get God back in my life. I had totally thrown him out at that point during the uh, when the movie and all that media stuff come out. I'm not bred for that kind of stuff. I know I can do. I I, I don't mind doing. I love doing the interviews with guys like yourself, but being out in front of it's not comfortable for me and it yeah. didn't feel right. Yeah. And I got trapped in a lot of vices, sure. I, uh, every vice imaginable. What's well, all out there. For yeah, me. I mean, me too, just, brother. Me right, too. I know it's, it's like, you know, it's right there. The, 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 the bad relationships, the alcohol is flowing. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy ever buy a drink. Drugs are there if you need it. Um, Oh, you're, you're getting gassed up because you're on every media platform in the world. Your Twitter is this and your yes. Instagram's this. And, and, um, <clears throat> And you start buying into your own bullshit. Yeah. And uh, and I, like I did. It. That was also another humbling experience, but uh, it was a great learning experience. But again, where Benghazi saved my life. All those other things did too. And my family, of course, my kids. But it was me looking in the mirror and just saying, man, no, you went through hell. You've done all this and you went through that and you're going to quit. No, we don't quit. We keep moving forward. We find work. We, we don't stop. And and I, I did. I actually got on my knees. I started praying again. And I, I, I've always prayed, but 
you know, I, I really pray now and talk and man, reconciled my wife. I, I, it was, it was wonderful. I, they were going to Disney World. We have timeshare at Disney World. I won't go to Disney right now. They need to fix themselves over there. <laughs> we are DVC members. We're yeah. DVC members. And I remember my wife, they were taking the, she was taking the kids to Disney World. It was right around Christmas time. And I called her and I said, Hey, can I come? Can I come with you guys to Disney? She goes, Yeah, we'll be there on this day. You can fly in and you can stay and we can try to be a family. And man, it, it, man, I, that was probably the best vacation. I've, I've had, I can, I mean, we've had some wonderful vacations and wonderful times at Disney, but that was, that was, again, it was like another fresh start. That's like, awesome. Man, that is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It really, it really, it really was. Yeah. Um, and, and now we're, now I'm here and now things are golden. Man. Yeah. Do you, do you always, does, does the media ever give you this chance to be, to show the human side of you or, or how often? No. Big, big media, um, or, or any of it. I mean, do, do you, this is what I really want. Like, this is what I was after. I really would enjoy that. The, I got to see this. This is po- amazing. Pod, podcasts that actually care and want to ask questions about and your, your, you know, what you felt like they do. Um, the ones that just want to know, Hey, do you hate Hillary? Do you, I, no, of course they don't. They just want the right. Hey, the sound bite. Of course I don't. Of course I don't like Hillary. Come on. Of course I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't like Bill either. I, you obviously know that. I don't like any of them. <laughs> but the ones like yourselves, and these are usually either Christian podcasts or veteran podcasts or radio, they do. Yeah. They sure. wanna, because they want to, because also, they also know that maybe this might help somebody that's. Oh, this will help a ton of people. 100% right it will. What? And it helps me. That thing is, too, it's, it helps me. And sure. I do yeah. a lot of public speaking now. I, I actually, and I've become a, a very efficient, adequate public speaker. Once I let the anger go and I started to talk about this kind of stuff and leadership more than whose fault it was in this, and right. uh, it, it, that actually that was a blessing because I do a lot of that for corporations now. And it, you know, it, it it which if you get in the right line in the right corporate, you know, it it does pay well. But to be honest with you, I, I the reason I do is because it's therapeutic. It's, I say, where yeah, where does the pay leave you in fulfillment? I mean, you got to be spiritually fulfilled through through this. Exactly. Exactly. But I had way more money when the movie came out, the book came out. Those three years, I had a ton of money. I yeah. Bought, it, it's all, it all got swindled out of me or I pissed it away. <laughs> but I was I was the most unhappy. Exactly. The richest I was. Yeah, the more money I had, yeah. the, the most unhappy, that's, more unhappy. And that's the, the quote. richest part of my that, life is the worst I ever felt in my life. Oh, and that's, dude. That's when I, yeah. Exactly. That's always the why, isn't it? That's always the why. It, it, it is. I, and I think that's where success needs to not be. And that's where social media, social media, it's a necessary evil for me, but I try geez, to do it in a yeah, positive way. Side. Yeah. We're, 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 we do positive posts and not, I hate this or you suck or this is bad or I know better. As, <laughs> right. You know, it's, but uh, it's, uh, but that being said, you know, I, once I started not to put that at the forefront, and it's not, and put the family back to, back to the roots, back to the basics, man, back to the fundamentals. Family, faith, and then everything else after that. That's when things got better. And we have, we have plenty of money that, you know, we're not loaded rich, but we got enough that if we need to go have dinner, we can go have dinner. We can put things are, we can put food on the table. We have a nice little house in Kansas. It's not huge, but it's, it, it fits for us and it's nice. And, and the trees and the birds are out and the blue sky's out and I'm talking to you guys. I mean, that's how, how awesome is that? Exactly. It's just amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Mate, uh, we've been talking for a good two hours and it's been just like far uh, out. Like absolutely inspirational. This has been awesome. 
just oh, thank you yeah guys i appreciate it. my wife's actually um it's uh, we, it's my son's birthday so they're probably oh, is it? oh shit oh wow oh, shit my wife my wife she's she loves it and she loves this and she knows it helps me a bunch yeah and um yeah i was gonna say my, I, I, you know i get to be done here and then my six-year-old it's his birthday so yeah i get to go out and light the cake and I mean, life is awesome, you know, and, and it is. It, it's it's just how wonderful, and it's just the roller coaster that you go on. Exactly, and exactly. It, it's just, I think veterans and like yourselves, once we can just take a time to just look back at it all, then we can admire if all of our work that we've done. It's just that we're always trying to, I don't know. I, it's like sometimes we just don't take that time just to sit in the rocking chair. And Never. Like, wow. Yeah. And did that, 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 that. I've lived a freaking great life. This is just gravy now. And that's how I feel now. And that's how I, I mean, I'm hoping a lot of your listeners get that too. Oh, they will definitely. We, we really have. You guys too. I mean, you've done so much. I mean, this is just freaking gravy right now. Yeah. Dude. I got to hear that. We, we got to, I got to get you on. I want to hear the heroin story. I got to, I got to oh, hear that. Yeah. You need to get him on. Uh, mate, so we've got uh, a couple of final questions we'll just quickly ask you. Sure. Just to, sure. Sure. So the first question is, you know, what advice, motivation can you give to people that are listening out there just to complete their goals and keep on? Basically, you got your drive from your grandpa. He gave you yeah, that, that, that talk and stuck with you for the rest of your life. So what advice can you give to people to keep on keeping on? I think, you know, stuff that we've learned from, from, I've learned from him, of him just getting up and working every day. Even when you think you're not moving forward, you are. So just always get up, always get out of bed. Always, even if you don't take huge steps, as long as you're continually taking those little steps forward, you're going to reach whatever goal that is. But the biggest thing is just getting out of bed and moving forward. Um, what, well, Chris, what do you mean by that? Well, that means, you know, Getting out of bed and go for a run. That's yeah. still moving forward. Getting out of bed and maybe reading a book or reading a prayer or something just to, just to enhance your mind a bit. Just always moving forward. If you, if like myself, when I got thrown out of the army that first time, my moving forward was going back to college and getting my education. I mean, you're still moving forward on that uh, to me. Um, I think it's just never just being stagnant. If you're stagnant, you're like a shark. You start stagnant, you're going to drown. Yeah. Um, as veterans going, you know, I, you do have, we do have to have goals, whether it's simple goals of maybe I just want to go shoot nine holes of golf today. That can be a freaking goal. That can be a wonderful goal. Or, you know, I need to find a better job. Well, then it's out there. Go look for it. You know, do something like that. But you always have to be moving forward. And I, I still, as, as a CQB word, you know, find work, always finding work figuratively and literally. You're always finding work, find something to do. And, but then take the time, like we said, I just said a little while ago. Everyone wants to just sit back on a rocking chair on your porch or whatever and just admire what you've done so far and accomplished. And, and that's a big deal. Um, and when you're having problems, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up on it. You know, God's got a plan. And believe me, it, it, you won't have any idea what that plan is. And those obstacles that you might hit, they're just making you stronger. Cause once you overcome that obstacle, when it hits you again, it's so easier to get over. Exactly. So failing is part of being successful. Yeah. There's nobody. That has been a success in anything in life, whether it's financial, if that's how you rate yourself or being a successful parent that hasn't failed that that at least once or twice before they overcame it and didn't fail the third time. And that's yeah. that's you know, and that's I think people just get so wrapped up over. Oh, I didn't make it. Well, so what? Try again. All right, let's do it again. We, we, we can do it again. Don't just learn. What did you do the wrong? What did you do wrong that you can do better on? Um I think that's that's why us, a lot of us guys like to shoot because you're never going to be perfect at shooting. 
we can always something that we can work on and get yep, better at. Yep. We can learn from it. Where's our hand? And that's why it's tremendous. I said, guys, go do that. If you love to shoot, get out to the range and shoot PT yeah. out there. Isn't it? <clears throat> so it's just always have that mindset of even if things are bad, they, they will get better. Yeah. They always do. You don't know when and don't expect when, but just keep moving forward. And you're, it's, it's the basics. You're going to find the tunnel. The end of that tunnel is going to, going to get there eventually. Exactly. But if you lay in bed all the time and complain, you ain't going nowhere. Yeah. You just going to stay right there. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my biggest thing. And that's, that's how I live my life still to this day. Every yeah. Day. Yeah. Uh, mate, second question is what's the plans for the future? Now we know you run a tactical yeah. company and do a bit of tactical training and. Yeah, I I came became an entrepreneur out of I, came, again, I, I never expected any of this. These are just off things that came up. But I have the Battleline Tactical, which we do a lot of tech training, which yep. is fun. We have a blast, and we're mainly in the Midwest. I do travel a little bit, but it takes some time away from me and my family. Of course, so yeah. I try to keep the mainly. But the mainly we use we use stay here in Tulsa, Keyford, Iron Gal Farms, and uh, in Tulsa, Keyford, Oklahoma, and then Fort Scott, Kansas. I have a range here. We also go down and use. Uh, the compound with the south of Chicago, which is a great range. And then, but anything Battleline Tactical, just you can look it up. You can go to tonosgearlocker.com and see any of those classes we have. Um, I have a firearms association, which is like a membership program where that's more of, you know, you join the membership program. Of course, you can come train with myself or there's a gentleman by the name of Adam Paintshot who used to run SIG Academy. He's one of the instructors for it too. Um, online training for that and more of an experience. So, you know, we're just not coming in and shooting. You know, we're also going to go and have dinner and stuff after. We're going to sit around the campfire and tell stories and throw s'mores and <laughs> enjoy each other. You know, go do some vodka tastings. Yeah, I have a, yeah. My, own, my own vodka. Um, I don't know how I got how I got into that, but yeah, it's right. pretty awesome. Let's um, try some of that. And and I, I might get you some, man. Um, <laughs> uh, but where, my where can we find buddy, it? Ben, um, Great American Craft Spirits. You can buy it from there. They do the nationwide. Now, what state are you guys in? Uh, I'm floating around everywhere, but I'm going to order it online and get it sent somewhere. Uh, Washington, D.C. Or, 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 or drown myself or, or one go, night in it. Just be, be careful, dude. It's too easy. It's too <laughs> easy. <laughs> um, but um, it was, it's made by a distillery in Dalton, Georgia. But it, it's in some states we have it, like Colorado and Georgia. You can find yeah. some liquor stores. It's in there. Um, Kansas. It's in Kansas, of course. Um, Minnesota. You just go to the tunnel, like tunnelvodka.com and it'll tell you what stores it's in, but it's easier on. Yeah, it is. It's easier just to order it. Yeah. And yeah. get it sent to you. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the public speaking, but I have a speaking bureau that handles that. Uh, they're called Kepler Speakers Bureau. Yep. yep. Been really good with me. You know, they, they take care of good. They, they have, I, I came on because they had other veterans, like Matt Eversman is one of their speakers from oh, yeah, yeah. Black Hawk Black Down. Down and, yeah. And the, the 12 strong guy, the guy that played that Chris Kensler played yeah, yeah. for Soldiers yeah, 12 yeah. Strong. I forget his real name. Sorry, brother. I just forgot his real, but he's one of their speakers as well. And, you know, um, so <clears throat> do a lot of public speaking. Um, but that is a lot of private stuff that yeah. just, I, it, but the, the, uh, other than that, you know, I don't have any plans to write another book. I've got three of them. I just, the last one kind of felt like doing schoolwork. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fun, but I got the Patriots Creed and the Ranger way and they've been out for a while and they're sold there. You know, the same publisher that we wrote 13 hours with is the same publisher. Yeah, so cool. You can, you can find them anywhere, you know, from target to Amazon to go into my site. And if you want me to sign it and send it to you, I don't know if the charge cost or bit or anything. It's the same cost you buy it online. Yeah. I'll yeah. Sign it and email oh it to yeah. You. We'll definitely, we'll definitely and, get that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and the battle line podcast as well. 
Bottomland podcast. Yeah, that yeah. that's with Ian Scotto. I I I love it. I you know I, I I wish we could get it out there more. Trying to get it out there more. This helps immensely. Um, but you know, it, I think a lot of people. It's it's not divisive. We don't get it into politics we will attach into a little bit of it but it's mostly having like kyle you're definitely going to be a guest guys like kyle yeah and that that have overcome obstacles in their own life exactly. kind of like what you guys did yeah, like what you guys are exactly doing. what we're doing yeah talking about you know trials and tribulations and then i love it because it adds perspective where because i think a lot of people out there in 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 the community not to our community, but civilians think that there's some special gene that rangers or seals or have that, that, you know, they don't get effective. They don't go through normal problems like everybody else. Like, dude, yeah. Yeah. yes, we do. And sometimes we compound them because of our obsessive compulsive behavior. Yeah, because we're supposed we to just toughen up. I know. It's, it's, but that's what these podcasts are. Exactly. Yeah. We're, it's just and everybody. We, yeah. Reconnecting. Is, and, uh, Soldiers Definitely. from around the world. That's that was our goal was just to connect everyone, seals, rangers, airborne, everyone that hates each other. Let's connect each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I even have a to- I, I have a whole nother community of addiction recovery, and people wow. who are dealing with civilians dealing with you know with suicide issues, with suicide yeah, yeah, ideation, yeah. addiction, depression, alcoholism. I mean that that's such an a, enormous amount of people that I would also love to extend this podcast to if if you're cool with that i would do i'll do i i'd love that because that i help so many through, people I, I, and i've been you know i obviously told you a few of the stories I've, I've been through that i've been i i, I understand i and i'm the self-destructive behavior that you don't have to be a veteran to have self-destructive behavior every one of us has some we, we do that to ourselves and i would be honored if you do that and yeah. honestly i said i i i'd be honored if you came on our podcast i really would our podcast it's like you're just trying to get positivity out there more than anything yes through maybe some negative stories of negative oh that's how we learn but yeah and but the podcast has been awesome it's that's awesome uh and i ian scotto who's my partner on it you know he's an expert he used to work on andrew wilkow's show worked at sirius xm forever so it was easy for me i just got to talk he does it editing the yeah promotion and, um, you know, we've, we've had some tremendous sponsors come on on the show, which I never, I, we never did it for that. I, yeah, I didn't exactly. Yeah. I like, so it's like the Lord works in mysterious ways it and does. having a CBD, I never would have gotten a CBD oil if I, a sponsor wouldn't have come yeah. on the show. And that has been a life changer for me. It's helped me get off the chemicals. Yeah, the, yep, the exactly. Pills. Yeah. And then, you know, working with the Bubs Naturals, who's made Bubs best friend, Sean Lake, who makes supplements to give back to his foundation, you know. I, I I would never have really known about a lot of that stuff if we didn't had the podcast yeah. to get to connect with you. So it's not just giving them plugs out there. It's that wow, they they actually came into my life because of the podcast and they've made my life even better. Yeah. Because they've helped me emotionally and physically right. get back into shape and get my head back into shape. Yeah. Well. Yeah, right. That's, That's fucking awesome. awesome. That's send send us those uh, links. We'll tag them in on this podcast as well, just so okay, it reaches, reaches all our fans as well. You, you uh, got it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, my final question: Kyle's got a question after as well. Uh, just to bring you down back to the normal human level. Now we are all badasses on the outside, but we all have our guilty obsessions slash, uh, you know, <laughs> just weird stuff that we like Some more that, no, yeah, that no one Sorry. knows about. You know, for me. Uh, Back home in Australia, I like to make uh, moisturizers and lip balms with my kids. Uh, homemade, no way. yeah, homemade stuff. Um, <laughs> and I, I actually enjoy it because I wear, yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's a bit girly, but yeah. I enjoy it. So, what is yours? Yeah. 
Well, no, honestly, I I love to be honest. I love still playing Nintendo with. Oh dear, my yeah, 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 awesome. Oh, awesome. Smash, I, Smash Brothers all day. Yeah, Smash Bro- and he kicks my butt, and I love, <laughs> and I I love. I'm still a. I was a video game geek growing up, and yeah. I still am that. Oh, video oh, game any any Paperboy. Paperboy. Oh, uh, Paper, oh Paperboy was ever the game. Wow. Oh my that game was gosh, awesome. That was a great game. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's not really anything shocking, but I, I still I I I love that going in Kodakum to Dave and Buster's or main event and I, I play the video games right next to it. just makes me even me being I might I embarrass my 13 year old daughter playing video games because I'm getting yeah. into the video yeah. games. Oh, yeah. And she's like, Dad, oh, you're embarrassing that. But, yeah. I, it's still something that makes me feel like a kid, and and then seeing my 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 son and my daughter. She's thirteen. I have a son that's seventeen now, um, but being around with them in that environment, it makes me feel like a kid that's again. Awesome. That's awesome. And, and that's fun. Like I said, Disney used to be one, but I, Disney, I, it's not the Disney I grew up. Yeah, with. They, got, they got a little weird lately. And they didn't let you wear your button yeah. shirt. Yeah, dude, I wish I had a story like yours. I, we, I made soaps because that actually is a pretty, that's a cooler story than mine. But yeah, I really don't have yeah. any, anything You don't wear like nail just, polish or anything? It's 2022. I let my daughter do it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. see, oh, I do that yeah. too. My, my daughters <laughs> yeah. do the same. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Man, I tell you what, going and just my son, I He's five years old, kicking my butt at Mario Kart. Yeah, there you that's go. Could so be a gamer. And that's, he rubs. Yeah, he does. He rubs it in my face. It yeah. humiliates me. It makes me feel good. That's, that's <laughs> it really awesome. Does, man. That's awesome. Yeah, but that's yeah. That's about it. I, everything else is just pretty, pretty normal stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Cool. A good normal life now. Yeah. Cool. I mean, okay. I, I was going to ask you two quick questions. What's your favorite movie and the best live concert you've ever been to? <laughs> 30 30 hours. Do I have to 30 say? Hours? Yeah, I, mean, say, <laughs> third, I, I would say my favorite movie, uh, uh, 13 Hours, of course, is, is up there. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. But, well, you were in a damn movie. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, but, but if we're talking about what my favorite movie is, actually, I, I have a few, and there's old school. I, I love Fletch. I love Fletch oh. Lives. Awesome. Black Dynamite. The, yeah. That's one of the funniest black exploitation films. I love Black Dynamite. And then I can't find it anymore, but I wish the one I would always go to, especially down as PCU, but I can't find it. Anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, they, it's like the woke community took PCU yeah. out of, and that was an old Jeremy Irons. Uh, Jeremy, yeah. is it Jeremy Irons, the old, and it's, I love that. That was hilarious and how they just made fun of college life, but I cannot find it anywhere anymore but pcu was was my favorite it still is my favorite i just i, I can't find it yeah, but i love those kind of just stupid the old yeah. school yeah silly satirical even the chevy chase caddy oh, anything yeah. chevy chase oh, caddy caddy Shack Shack is oh so those are those are my favorite favorite ones um when i'm but i'm with my daughter though i'm i do still like some of the old Disney movies. I love sitting around watching Toy Story. Or oh, Monsters hell yeah. Yeah. With my kids, I, the Pixar stuff. I, I do. I, and, um, one for my grandfather. I know I have a bunch. I wish I had a, just so I could say one. Uh, it reminds me of growing up and it's a Disney movie. It's, um, it's, oh gosh, I know I can't, I see now I can't remember it. I'm, I'm going to brain fart. It's where, uh, McFarland, McFarland, USA. And it's about a bunch of pickers. Mexican kids that oh okay it's a true story on a track team and they win the California State Championship and it reminds me because it reminds me of my grandfather yeah it's called McFarland cool. USA I'll have and, to check um, it out a, yeah Kevin Costner's in it but it also reminds me of growing up because I remember being able to run like that I just always had that gift of <laughs> yeah. being able to run and uh to, as a serious movie that's it but most of mine are 
the old school 80s funny stuff and then also the the old pixar disney movies man i i can go watch ratatouille me and my oh yeah yeah love ratatouille. great movie yeah so and now we're all just a bunch of oh yeah, mate, are yeah. We? <laughs> that's exactly right there you go that's that's it bringing so, us back down to we're not all badasses on the outside no we're we're, we're powdered pumps, we're soft man. yeah we we're, all are but uh yeah, man. I, that yeah, that's 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 it. That's really it. And, and that live concert. What's the oh live concert? Yeah. Um, my most favorite live concert. Actually, it was security for it. Oh no uh, way! They they hired a bunch of rangers to do security for him. Was back was YouTube. Oh cool! And did I you get to meet Bono? I mean, that was but that was a that was a back in the the grunge days. So it was back in you know when yeah. early grunge, and I saw YouTube, and and I, I can just say not when I was a big YouTube fan, but. Damn, they put on a really oh, their show was amazing. It was, yeah, it was it was incredible. It was an incredible show, and and uh, no, it really was. I and I I I wasn't a big YouTube fan at the time, but the show and their talent. I mean, no, there's no lift. They're they're, they're playing their own instruments, and yep. back in the it was at the Tacoma Dome, and um, oh, yeah, yeah. packed crowd. I'm on the front because we're we're security, so we're front stage security. I mean, so I'm right there, and I got to see the whole thing. Oh, that must have been um, awesome. It was awesome. My sec- I had a second one was probably in. Um, I would say it was a country one and it was seeing, seeing Brooks and Dunn because oh, nice. it was, uh, yeah, it was, they were showmen, man. They, I mean, they really tore it up up there and just again, watching people actually play their own instruments. And, and that was a big thing called country jams. So there was a ton of people out there. They were one of the main headliners and seeing them play. And then Kenny Rogers came and played after them. And not that his concert was good, but it, being able to attend like an icon like that, like a country music icon, yeah. Kenny Rogers was, it was kind of cool to say, yeah, I saw him. I saw him play when he was still moving around and still, <laughs> and that was back in the, that was back when I was in college. So I was back in the nineties. Yeah. So, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say it was like five finger death punch or. Yeah. I've never, no, no, I've that's never, all right. I mean, I've, I've never seen him play, man. I've never yeah. seen them or corn. I would have liked to have seen corn. Those guys I've seen corn. Yeah. Game. I've seen corn. Or Slipknot. Yeah. That would have been another. Yeah. Oh, they're amazing. But yeah. I, but I would say probably if I'd seen a Slipknot concert, I would probably say that would have been yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Just never been to one. That's yeah. just it. But yeah. And uh, yeah. mate, just quickly, uh, if people want to get in contact with you, obviously through your website. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Instagram. Instagram, website. I don't answer it, guys. And I'm sorry. I just tell everybody. I don't answer my DMs too much. Of it's course. Just, yeah. It's, It'd be it's, flooded. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time away. But um, you know, if they go to christanoprono.com, there's an email down there. It is filtered. I have an army buddy that really takes good care of me, but I still see them. I mean, yeah. he filters them through some, I mean, some are inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> I, I mean, I, I, this shouldn't be, I'm 51 years old. I'm, I'm uglier than sin. I don't know why I get inappropriate, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but I, I eventually, I do eventually see them all. I just apologize if I can't respond to all of them because if yeah, I did, of course. and that's what took a lot of toll on me too. I tried to, I felt bad when I couldn't respond to you. Yeah, no, and right. You know, yeah. I just realized you just, you can't do it. It, it. It's impossible. So I, I, right now I apologize if somebody writes something, if it's nice and they say, I, I will see it. And it really means a lot to me, but I just can't respond to them all. But yeah, of course. You can go to christanapro.com and my emails. Yeah, awesome. Can, yeah, awesome, bro. mate. Well, Mate, this has been absolutely hectic and just just so insightful. And you, you're a humble human being, mate. Like, yes, absolute humble you. human being. And this is gonna, you know, you know the this is gonna reach a lot of people in Australia. You know, this is the whole point of our podcast. We are, oh, I am Australian, and my uh, um, my other co-host, yeah. he is back in Australia, so he's stuck there. That's why I've got Kyle to fill in. And um, 
Yeah, it, this is going to reach a lot of people. Well, I, I appreciate it. I hope so. I, I, anything I can do to help. And it's helped. Guys, if anything, no, you guys help me. Every time I'm able to do something like this, it helps me. Not awesome. So I, I appreciate that. And do me a favor. Do me a favor. I, do you have... Do you have my contact or do you have the back? I was going to say, you know, maybe after we're done off. recording, I'll get your number and we can. Yeah. Link yeah. Up. Yes. But I want to say, guys, thank you for having, having me on. I, I it means a lot to me. And it, this is, this is great, man. I, you guys are humble as hell too. And I know you guys got your own badass stories. And, and so just being around guys like yourself that are humble as well, it, just, I mean, it means the world to me because it yeah. makes it easier for me to talk as it helps me be able to, to of course. Up, yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, mate. Really. No, we'll definitely uh, definitely stay in contact, have a beer, and okay. oh, actually, we'll drink some vodka. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I'll bring the vodka. Yeah. I got you. you got bring you the vodka. Got and got I'm actually keen to come out and do some shooting. I'm going to check you're out one of these welcome. courses. Definitely check out you, one of these courses. Just let me know. You're, you're always welcome, brother. Always, Kyle, same thing, man. You're always welcome, mate. Oh, I'd love it, brother. All right, brother. Uh, thanks All right. again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. Fucking hell. How about that one for a podcast? Dude, that was incredible. Man, he, um, as I said before, he is just a humble, humble guy. For what he's, yeah, for what he's been through as well. Like, it's not, it's not your everyday soldier stories. It's the contracting world as well. You know, where you're, you're an expendable asset. If you, you know, if a contractor dies, no one hears about it. And our government very much threw those guys to the wind. Yeah, and you know, he spent a good ten years plus before. 2012 happened uh, in Iraq, Afghanistan, throughout Africa. And so he had, you know, the plethora of experience um, contracting and as well as time in the soft world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Yeah, as a ranger. Um, and he always had that never quit attitude, you know, that, that it's, it's that zero limit attitude from his uh, granddad. Just yeah. basically, you know, as a kid, he messed up once or twice and his granddad said, Is this, you know, don't quit. Don't quit. Like, what are you doing? Let's talk about it. Let's think about it. Let's do it. Get it done. And fuck, you know, we've all seen the movie 13 Hours, especially if you're a veteran. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're 100% seen it. You know, oh, I guess there'll be a lot of civilians that haven't seen it. But if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Uh, check it out. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'd be on Netflix or I yep. think it's on Netflix. All of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A Foxtel for us back in Australia, uh, which is our cable. By the way, and nice. shit, expensive right. and shit. Um, so definitely get on and check out the movie because he said it's pretty accurate. Yeah, and uh, it's actually one of my favorite movies because it it just touches it touches home if you know what I mean. I was lucky enough to do the contracting stuff for the embassies in that in that scenario. You know, they had five separate total firefights that night. Not just you know generally if you get into a firefight, it's one giant firefight, five separate ones and abandoned. Essentially. Totally bailed on by the government. They had every asset on the entire region that could have came, and there was you know political motivations behind the scene that played into the lack of response by the United States government. Oh, yeah. Uh, fuck. Yeah, we could, you know, as he said, you know, we can basically fucking go on forever with the political side of things, and right. there's no point because it get, it'll go nowhere. Right. Um. You know, they lost yeah, – when I spoke about that defining moment of them literally in the movie where they're sitting in the cars and that fucking cocksucker chief is just saying, nah, nah. Who was a real – yeah. was based on a real guy. Yep. Stand down, stand down. I'm a soft cock type thing. I don't want to get involved. And they've just gone, you know, after 25 minutes too. This is 25 minutes has passed. Of other Americans, of his like 
countrymen dying. Not just he still yeah, didn't want to do not it. Not even just countrymen, a fucking ambassador. That is a big fucking deal. The United States representative in another fucking country. Essentially, he becomes a president in you know wherever right. he, wherever he's representing. Uh, you know whatever country he's in. So they, fuck, and then twenty five minutes elapses. You know they're getting overrun and. And they've just, he, he said he saw that big giant fucking arm out the window and yeah, the thumbs, thumbs up, up, let's roll. And basically just gave the fuck you to the chief and said, let's fucking roll. And they got stuck into it. And as I said, they copped a lot of mortars. And, uh, you know, that, that um, subsequently took the lives of uh, the two guys. In addition to the fact that during, prior to taking accurate mortar fire, they saw the guys targeting their buildings. And With getting, the mobile phones, yeah, getting, using the mobile phones yeah. to get, you know, to pin drop GPS yeah. lat long. Yeah. And, and so they could bracket mortars, which they did so effectively that they hit each of the desired buildings within the compound. I mean, bracketing mortars isn't even experienced. Dudes. I'm a mortarman. Oh, so yeah. there you go. So this is, yeah, that's when I asked if, if it was 81. You know, I wasn't sure if it was 81 or the. Oh, that's right. He did say it was 81. Yeah, he did say it was 81, which is, you know, my bread and butter back in the day. And yeah, it's it, once you get that bracket right, fuck, fire for effect, and it it, it did what it did. It yeah. killed uh, Glenn Doherty and uh, Tyrone Woods. That's right. Um, and back to the compound where the ambassador was. It was Chris Stevens. It was the ambassador, and Chris Smith was the information officer. And uh, from everything I've read and seen, they they died from smoke inhalation from the they, fire. They basically set the building, and that's on what fire. he talked about when they were torching the building. That's it, yeah. When that that guy jumped on, basically said, "If you guys don't get here, we're fucking dead." And that's when they the big the big yeah. giant arm out the window, thumbs up. Let's get the fuck out of there. Fuck yeah! What a, what a story. I just can't. It, that was a great podcast. Honestly, I'm 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 super pumped. Uh, to have even gotten contact with him to start off with, it's not you know. Not as easy. He said, it's not easy to get in contact with him. And honestly, I don't even remember how I did it, but I did. Well, that was, that was good on you for that. Yeah, that was, that was incredible. That was one of the most inspirational podcasts yeah, I probably ever heard, let alone participated in. Exactly, and <clears throat> not to mention, as I said, he's just a humble, humble, super dude. humbled and super fucking down to earth. Just, just he talked about how it affected him. The struggles he had, he exactly, didn't try to yeah. sugarcoat it. I mean, he was so humble about everything. That's it. I, and honestly, I didn't know about 2017 when he's in the shower, basically with a gun in his hand. I, I don't think. I've hand. never heard that anywhere else. I don't. Yeah, well, I, I, I haven't heard that before too. So that's um, it. It just shows you the effects of the effects of war. Yeah, which is plain and simple, and we've seen it. Uh, You've seen it. I've seen it. We've <laughs> we both of, lived it. Yeah, we both lived it. Not even that. We've seen a lot of our mates take their own lives over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years and, you know, due to the effects of war. So, yeah, that was just oh, – I just couldn't believe it when he said that. I'm inspired. That was amazing. Uh, yeah, exactly, man. And I'd, I'd love to catch up with him. <laughs> that was this person yeah. I was thinking. And as I said to him, you know, I said, he needs to get you on because your story is just – it's it's next level as well. <laughs> Let's not fuck a lie there. <laughs> What was the what was the what was your call sign? Oh God, Spoonman. <laughs> Spoon. <laughs> not not yeah, a positive. There's reference. nothing. Yeah, there's nothing like having good mates. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are friends for? What are friends for? Making fun of my heroin addiction. <laughs> 
didn't even shoot up, which is the funny part. That was the most embarrassing part. Yeah. I snorted. I didn't fucking shoot up. Yeah. But still, people who don't know shit about it are like, oh, you fucking spoon junkie. Anyways, <laughs> enough about me, goddammit. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then obviously now he is basically running his uh, tactical side of things. Vodka. Uh, he has a- writing books. Yep. Exactly. Public right. speaking engagements. Let me just quickly bring up his website just so we can definitely make sure. He did say it through the podcast. Let me just bring it up again. So I should I should be more prepared than what I normally am after 55 episodes, 56 episodes. Uh, if you want to get in contact with Chris, as he said, you can head to his website, which is christantoperonto.com. Uh, you can get on there and get the, the links to his uh, – Battleline Tactical, which is his training. Uh, he has tactical gear as well. He's uh, Tanto Vodka, which I'm pumped to give a crack and send it one night. You can also jump on there and it has the links to the Battleline podcast, which is you know essentially just like ours. They get uh, people on and chat about their lives and reconnect and connect uh, you know people from around the world to share their stories. Or his Instagram, again, he said it's hard for him on his Instagram to respond to every messages and like Shane gets feet pics all the time. I'm sure Chris gets a whole bunch of feet pics and weird pics, <laughs> but you can head to his uh, Instagram, which is real underscore Chris underscore Tanto underscore Peronto and uh, give him a follow. And uh, cause he's just, again, he's, he's worth the follow cause he's a fucking awesome dude. Awesome, Absolute legend. Awesome dude. For us, if you want to uh, get in contact with us, you can head to our Instagram or Facebook, uh, zero.limits.podcast. To listen to these podcasts, obviously you listen to this one right now, probably on Spotify or most likely uh, Apple Podcasts as well. Just jump on the internet hit in the Google search bar or even on your phone through your Safari or Google search bar, whatever you use, Zero Limits Podcast, and it'll all pop up. Yeah, and uh, just... Keep, keep an ear out for the, for the near future. If Shane's not available for podcasts, definitely get Kyle on again. And uh, unfortunately, though, I will. You know, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm probably either back in Australia or just about to go back to Australia. So uh, it'll be all done via Zoom, which will be no issues at all. And yeah, mate. Again, that was fucking. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get you actually drop me off at the gym. <laughs> right on. Because I haven't got a car now. Well, it was a pleasure, and I hope to do it again soon, bud. Thank you for having me on to uh, to fill in for Shane. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And again, you know, you coming on telling your story in episode 50 as well, because it's, it's not a fucking normal story either. Now I'm retarded. <laughs> it's it's, it's I'm fucking <laughs> stupid person. So anyway, guys, uh, stay tuned for the next, uh, next one. Catch you later. See you. Wait, wait, wait. Now quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. 
So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour over filter bags, got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it, get your discounts. So again, jump onto 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.